0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweets! Welcome everybody to ESSR Feature, it is me, it is Sarah, and today I am in the hosting chair and I'm very very excited, Um, so this week is going to be one of my favourite shows, but after people have jumped on the bandwagon to show their love for this man after him returning this year, we bring to you the Christian Cage Appreciation Show. It is meant to just be the ESSR feature of Christian, but we are appreciating him and I feel like everybody should. So I have renamed it the Christian Cage Appreciation Show. So welcome to one of the greatest shows that we are ever going to do. But before I introduce my esteemed panel, if you're new to our shows, make sure you're subscribed to us on your preferred platform. And if you follow our shows, welcome back. Happy to have you. Keep up to date up to date with all the current goings on. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Repeat. We have our community page where we all like to talk about wrestling. Get involved, we're not scary. Most of us are not scary, I promise. And we also have our YouTube channel where we get up to many, many fun things, including Book It, which currently season two kicked off with me going up against my mystery opponent, which turned out to be none other than Mr. Quacky Rajay booking the best of the Scottish independent scene. Catch that over on our YouTube channel to see how I got on after making David Campbell quit the show. And we also have Quiz Showdown one to eleven on this, and Quiz Showdown twelve will be out soon. Scott, you are going to be hosting that show, so. When do you think this is going to be coming out, and what is Quiz Showdown 12 all about?
1: Uh, well sir, Quiz Showdown uh, time recording is just a few days... At the time of recording this show, we're just a few days away from recording Quiz Showdown 12. So it should be out uh, before the end of July. And given that by the time it comes out, uh, fans will be back in the arenas. We're going to use this show to look back on the time where we didn't have fans. Uh, so-called show Quiz Showdown
0: 12 Beyond Thunderdome. A very fitting title and I love it. But yes, yeah, so you can catch that out on our YouTube channel, hopefully it'll be out before the end of July, but keep a wee eye, click the subscription buttons and make sure you get some notifications to say that we have actually released it. Now, on to my esteemed panel. You've already heard him he has introduced Quiz Showdown 12, but this man, much like Lance Storm, thinks that turning a flag upside down First table is the ultimate heel move. It is Scott McLeod.
1: <laughs> uh, if I could be serious for a moment, Sarah. I, I actually think the biggest heel move you could do is catching on someone's birthday, but I wouldn't know anything about that.
0: <laughs> no, you wouldn't. No, yeah, absolutely wouldn't. But uh, so how how are you today, Scott?
1: Uh, I'm doing very well. I don't appreciate the whole bandwagon hobbin thing. I was there in twenty eleven for one more match, so
0: <laughs> Yeah, this is all for the people that made fun of me for you know, my 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 sticker on my laptop that says Christian for Hall of Fame or you know why Christian should be in the Hall of Fame which is actually on our um, our website www.eatsleepsuplexretweet.com I'm pretty sure it is with the, the feature of why Christian Case should be in the Hall of Fame it's not gonna I happen mean, now but it was I good mean, enough to do
1: I mean sir, you know me I would never make fun of anybody not me this guy podcast personality.
0: personality uh-huh. this guy <laughs> Next up on my panel must much like Christian's most famous tag partner, Edge, this man just seems to keep coming back out of nowhere. It is Andy Mitchell.
2: Andy's on mute. Sorry, I'm mute. sorry. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Long long time no see.
0: Hello, welcome back Andy. It's I nice know. to have you.
2: Just like Christian, you don't know if I'm gonna be like on EAW or uh, or ESSR or whatever, I just show up when when uh, Stephen's run out of people to, to put, on, <laughs> put on the show, that's, that's when I get a text. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this Nukes man, much like Tom Coe, one win in life and he suddenly thinks he's worthy of a title match. It is David Hockney, everybody.
3: Hello, Sarah. And, you know, um, as the resident statistician here on EatSeep Suplex Retweet, I am somewhat of a problem solver.
0: Okay, so that, that is, that's your rebuttal.
3: And the crowd goes mild.
0: (laughs) Ahead Tumbleweeds. Whee! And finally on my panel now, I would have came up for a really good one for this guy, but the only reason this guy gets to be Chris Jericho in this situation is because he is literally named Chris. It is Chris Murray, everyone.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I like it. I like it. Thanks for having us, Sarah. First appearance on ESSR since I literally hosted a show with coronavirus.
0: I know, I was on that show actually that it, was was show.
4: Uh, it was a good show What you didn't see in that show Sarah is that my obviously in audio form you can't tell when a man's temperature is rapidly increasing and decreasing so my entire lower half was was covered in a blanket but uh, oh. owing to the fact that this is a macho wrestling podcast
1: I was not admitting that last time out an actual wrestling podcast, I don't know. I, know. I mean, I mean, Chris. I nearly didn't come back to Saturday Fly because after my first dose of the vaccine, I couldn't feel my left arm. I thought if Chris can host the show with bloody COVID, I can toughen join the show with the bad nah, you, you set the bar when it comes to hosting,
3: there,
4: Chris. I know. No, I, I don't. I don't want any praise. I just want my second vaccine
0: right. it'll be like the next six to eight weeks, we'll all hopefully get it, but we are here to talk about the man, not so much the myth, but the legend that is Christian Cage, and it's been a long time coming, and I'm so happy. Guys, let's go back to the start of his wrestling career, when he made a surprise debut under the name of Christian. Um, televised debut at the Breakdown in Your House pay-per-view. Back in 1998 this happened when he came in to serve as a sort of distraction um, during the match between Edge and Owen Hart to reveal that he is a vampire that is teaming with Gangrel. Chris, it's, it's a weird way to make a debut, just go, I am a vampire.
4: Yeah, that's the thing like see if you sit down and try and explain this group of wrestlers to anyone now who is maybe just watching wrestling or even just watched wrestling for the last 10 years it sounds so naff but I promise to everyone it was really cool at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, siding with Gangrel. Gangrel uh, himself was a very strange man. I assume he had prosthetic teeth because he had actual bangs and uh, yeah Christian comes out and before we know it he's being touted as Edge's younger brother it's entirely believable they're both Canadian have beautiful long blonde hair and um, yeah it was a it was an interesting way to come in
0: I mean not to mention that we know that Edge and Christian are like lifelong friends I mean they, they both got into wrestling together trained at like the same school and everything so that they came through literally everything together and dave see in terms of just like christian's look when he first debuted long blonde hair dark sunglasses pretending that he's a vampire i mean Mm. could you have thought of, of like um a better debut for this man knowing what was going to happen with his career
3: well given that the time you know it was um it was the peak of the attitude era in the late 90s, and you could be as outlandish with gimmicks or personality as you wanted to be. And I think that was one of the big selling points of uh, when Christian first showed up is that he had a very he and Edge both had very larger than life personalities, and whatever they put their energy into, it would just come off brilliantly. And you know they both had similar looks, you know, when teaming with Gangrel, so they sort of looked like they played the role of the tag team very well, but. You know, and you could get away, you know, with, you know, uh, wrestlers pulling off gimmicks like the Red Rooster and Man Tower and stuff. So a vampire just feels normal. Although, try saying that to, to Kevin Thorne in C W in 2006, because I actually remember I was at a uh, a live show with my cousin and my brother in late 2006, and Kevin Thorne was on that show. And most of the crowd were just chanting to him like, "Vampires aren't even real and stuff." So, I mean, it just goes to show, like, you know, how much the times have changed. You know, even if it's like less than a 10-year gap, like vampires were cool at the time because I think that's was when Buffy the Vampire Slayer launched as well. So it was, it was sort of keeping up with the times, but it had its own sort of twist on it, and it was a very iconic sort of character to kickstart his career.
0: What do you mean? we popular. Vampires are still popular. Um,
3: yeah, but everybody's on like TikTok and whatnot <laughs> and stuff. So it's
1: times are different. I mean, I mean, I had to back Dave up. They worked I mean, I mean vampires back then. You had like you said, either Buffy or Blades yeah, or Blade. Yeah. Vampires.
3: I Think, uh, I think the, the General Hospital spin-off show Port Charles was all about vampires as well. I Think, but that was a soap. that Only lasted a few years.
1: I think '98 was the year the first Blade came out. So clearly. That was a case of Debbie capitalising on something that was popular with the whole vampire thing. Mm -hmm. Vampires were pretty much pop culture at the time.
0: Yes, and hopefully they'll make a comeback. Maybe his uh, vampire character might make a comeback. Who knows? But see, Andy, see his debut match against Taken Mishinoku at Judgment Day in your house, right? He he won the, the, the light heavyweight championship. I mean, this wasn't even too long after his initial debut it was maybe a month at best do you think this is probably the best way for christian to to make an impact in wwf at this time
2: i think so yeah because again it's like the whole idea of like the bridges are quite mysterious and if he's coming out and it's at one of his first matches and he wins like the and against daka michinoko who is a very underrated uh wrestler uh yeah it's it's still it's kind of like the light heavyweight isn't really popular title, but it's still a title when titles kind of still mattered. When I say mm-hmm. that it was Vince uh, Russo still writing, but the lesser titles might have had a bit more prestige because they weren't a part of any mad storylines. And yeah, just I was actually going to mention about the blade popularity. is like yeah, that actually did help with the whole vampires mm-hmm. being cool kind of thing. And obviously, I've got to mention the the mysterious of the entrance, the coming up in the fire. It's pretty cool.
0: I've,
2: they hey. did it before uh they did it before it was cool like Kane yeah. and
0: stuff oh yeah see christian did a lot of things before it was cool just people never noticed
2: and i love these white uh uh baggy uh t-shirt thing i can't believe <laughs> what you call it but that was pretty cool. that was a good look that only christian could pull off like what a yeah. shirt uh, yeah, hey shut back up <laughs> but there's a name for it there's a because he's got the it's like yeah, the of, it's, it's not a
0: shirt shirt it's like what you see when like for example when you look at the vampire diaries and they go back to like the eighteenth century of like that's Yes, that, young that's
2: cultured what man David
0: Help me. <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> but just just the spell, like see the fact that he lost the the title to Gilberg of all people, like not even a month later. I mean Chris Gilberg of all people.
4: This this was so so annoying because like at the time, the title was kind of bouncing about, but it was always bouncing about on like Heat. So you never really got to see, well, I mean, I didn't watch Heat at the time. I don't think I've ever really watched Heat since SmackDown came around. And it, it was a shame because the debut was great. Like putting him against Taka Michinoku, that's great because Christian is in a light heavyweight match, but he's not a light heavyweight wrestler at all. He <laughs> threw Taka about for that whole match and it made him look amazing in his debut. And then you have him going loose to a guy who's like smaller than him. Maybe they just wanted to have him have an impactful debut but didn't want him to carry the belt for too long. But um, yeah, thankfully, I think these all just happened on daddy shows, so nobody really cared and pretty much didn't factor into any of Christian's storylines at the time. But um, yeah, it was a a really, really cool debut. And um, of course, as we said, the brood absolutely amazing, <laughs> best entrance ever, best theme ever. I found out something today, Sarah. Did you know that the entrance music has a subliminal message in it?
1: Oh, I was going to mention but... Right, Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott. No, no, you, no, you go ahead. You, you, you'd probably tell educate. it there. I
4: I
0: would... Educate the listeners as well, Chris.
4: Well, <laughs> well, I was watching a video on it today and supposedly Jim Johnson, a uh, man of a thousand themes, um, put a subliminal message in the song so that when you play it reversed uh, it says something like We Buried Paul which was either a reference to Triple H or a reference to the long-standing theory that Paul McCartney's dead and the Beatles were sending out subliminal messages yeah, in their songs.
2: Mm, yeah, there's a famous one I think <laughs> it's in *Sergeant Pepper's* song. Yeah, exactly.
4: One,
2: yeah, so it's yeah. e- uh, e- e- e-
4: Exactly like I was going exactly
2: like <laughs> e- <laughs> e- to ask, has it joined the Navy? <laughs> <I don't think
4: laughs> the, other, the other cool, the other cool thing about them as well is they used to do the bloodbaths thing, where basically the lights would go out in the arena, they would come back on red, and somebody would be covered in blood and. Just if if I was a wrestler and somebody told me that I had to get that done, to me, I'd be like, "Yep, sign me up. That will look amazing on TV." And it did every single week. It's such a shame that like I, I think the brood were only together for like maybe a year, less mm-hmm. than a year, but they were so cool.
0: I mean, that's also what I wanted to um, talk to you guys about as well. Is obviously they had like a lot of random cool things. I mean, they had like a brief feud with the Ministry of Darkness. When it came to also the fact that Christian got basically taken for sacrifice, Um, but what were some of your favourite moments um, with the broods? So Scott, I'll I'll ask you, like, what would be one of your favourite moments?
1: Uh, Not to think, because like you said, I think a lot of the, the memories of the brood are related to their entrance and everything. But I think given the fact that they probably. Like, something that people don't remember is the fact that these guys are excessively to murder as they assisted in Undertaker's hanging and all the big mm-hmm. boss. People seem to forget that, you know, Christian and Edge have not been impl- yet been implicated in the fact they helped kill a man. But, uh, I think one of the best moments is uh, the fact that they they gave one of the probably the funniest slash worst interviews of all time when they did the pilot episode with Matt doing the hate of was The Brood Speaks for the first time, and he had Gangrel struggling to properly speak because of his fangs and sounded like he had some sort of speech impediment and it's like we were fed in by the Undertaker And then you could tell something was gonna happen with a bloodbath when doc- when the Michael PSA comes out in an all white shirt and of course they ruined his poor shirt by giving him a bloodbath.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Dave what would be some of your like ultimate brood moments because they've had like many of weird yet wonderful and creative Mm. things
3: yeah um i think one of my favorite brood moments was actually not when they were feuding with the ministry but actually after when they joined the ministry uh (laughs) and christian almost christian almost felt like you know the the idiot henchman who you know the hero captures and you know beats the living (laughs) piss out of to until he reveals all the information because uh (laughs) It's like when he was—I um, think it was Ken Shamrock that beat him up, and he had to spill the beans about where Stephanie was uh, being held after she was kidnapped. Yeah. And then the Undertaker ended up flogging him, like literally just beating, <laughs> it, uh, whipping him like a government mule, as uh, good old JR would say. But it's—he he had that fact, infec- i think he still had that personality about him. You know, he's—he's he's got this really cool gimmick, but deep down, he's still a bit of a—he's just a bit of a lackey for you know the big—the big evil, uh, the Undertaker. So, and that's the thing about you know, like uh, you know, if you've got a big supervillain, some sometimes their henchmen are a little bit goofy and a little bit, a uh, little bit of a little bit stupid. So, I think Christian sort of played that role very well, and you know, he gets punished by the big boss in the end.
0: Yeah. See, Andy, quickly before I get your um, favourite brood moment is, do you think the fact that um, Christian, with his natural charisma, obviously later known as being nicknamed Captain Charisma. Do you think that sort of charismatic side to him helped, especially when it came to his first initial storyline?
2: Um, I think going back to what Scott said with that promo, the, the promo didn't do many favours. But it's just they had a... I think the fact that him and Edge have this like uh, already like history before, so it's like obviously they're comfortable together in the ring, and I think that really showed. They didn't, they didn't so I can't even remember Christian talking or Edge talking for that fact uh, in the broods, and it's just they just had this they just had this look about them that just seemed really like like intimidating and that and the charisma just showed through without needing to actually do promos and stuff.
0: Yeah, and what would you say would be one of your favourite brood moments or Edge and Christian moments in the brood? Uh, again, uh, I can't even
2: remember any really uh, the matches, and that uh, I just—it's just them coming out from the fire at the entrance It's just always <laughs> something that always just stands out, and always—it's just weird. I, can't, I couldn't tell you what happened five years ago in wrestling, but I could remember just them coming out with the fire and coming down with the, the music and the red lights, and and I couldn't tell you who they were facing, but I just always <laughs> just remember that, and that would just—it would just always cool to see them.
0: I mean, yeah, like. One of their their first uh, feuds, was with the job squad. Um, I don't know if you if you remember any fun fun things that come out of that because let's just face it whenever you know else know it's involved something is gonna happen.
4: Well, it's funny you said, do you have any like <laughs> fond memories of this either? right? Get this. This is our esSR exclusive. and when I put two and two together and figured out I could finally tell this story on this show. I got very excited right. Let me take you back, it was February 1st, 1999, it was a Monday night as is common on wrestling television. I was nine years old and the brood got battered by the ministry early on in Raw and then later on in Raw were revealed to be part of the ministry. There's this thing in the ring where Undertaker's at the top of the ramp. Uh, there's three guys in hoods in the ring and the other members of the ministry stand behind them, take off all their hoods, and it's the brood. And I remember this crystal clear because this was the first ever thing that I watched in wrestling. It was the first thing I remember going into school the next day, talking about it, finding out loads of other people in school watched wrestling because we'd never had a conversation about it, but that was the first thing I ever watched. And it was so cool that we then went on to do a Christian feature show where I got to bring it up. like. 65 years later so yes well, my earliest wrestling memory involves christian i thought you'd appreciate that and um, i do remember a bit of the job squad stuff it didn't really go anywhere i remember that in fact the brood never really went anywhere in general and mm-hmm. um, the feud with the ministry was cool led to them joining and um, there was a there was a hanging of Gangrel on raw which was pretty brutal and um, which obviously then led to undertaker hanging boss man at wrestlemania as well And then the good thing was, is when they eventually left the ministry, it was because when Christian was getting his flogging or Edge was being sacrificed, something daft like that, the brood decided to band together and say, hang on, you are terrible employers, we don't like you. And they binned the ministry off and went back to being a three piece for a wee while, which was great because it just showed the sort of closeness in the group. And albeit Gangrel was involved, but it showed the closeness with Edge and Christian which this was the first sort of signs in WWE or WWF at the time of them being a close knit tag team, which I think was really, really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, see, We all know Christian as a tag team wrestler, so I do kind of want to talk about his legacy as a tag team wrestler as well. So this actually works out very, very well because just after Edge and Christian decide to disband. From Gangrel and obviously turn them into the fan favourites and the baby faces like they always should be. Um, they start an eventual tag team feud with one of one of their more famous feuds. Um when it's the Hardy Boys, and um, when they had teamed with Gangrel to become the new brood. Um and obviously this this does kick off like essentially the legacy that Edge and Christian together leap behind even just Christian as a tag team wrestler. Um, because we know Edge had a very predominant singles career whereas Christian maybe didn't. Um, but the the Teddy, Terry Runnels Invitational, guys, this is what I want to talk about. Chris, I can see you smirking there. What, what, would, what do you recall from the Terry Runnels Invitational?
4: So I didn't watch pay-per-views at the time because I only had like Sky One or something. So I was basically watching SmackDown and then the Raw recap show, but I had no mercy out the video shop and um i was a massive hardy's fan from the second i started watching them i thought they're the best thing ever um i loved this match this this match was like tlc2 obviously is the and well i'm sure we're going to talk about that very soon that is the match that gets praised as being like the best thing ever but this match this ladder match this was the thing that sort of started all that off so it's all got that to be sort of praised and the fact that the Hardys won. In all of these TLC matches, the Hardys never even got a sniff of winning, so it was cool to see that happen. And then most significantly, the next night on Raw, I think October 18th, 1999, the day before my 10th birthday, it always related to my youth, um, the Hardys came out and were like, actually, Sack the brood, sack Terry, sack Gangrel, sack the lawyers. We're just going to be the Hardy Boys, and everybody loved them from then on. So Edge and Christian come out looking great. Hardy's come out looking great. We basically have Gangrel to thank for two of the best tag teams in the history of wrestling.
0: I mean, absolutely, Dave. Like, essentially, Gangrel is the one to kickstart everything. Um, it's like when you think back to like TLC and everything happening and cementing. Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys as like predominant tag teams. I mean, both of them were going after the tag belts at this time, but yeah. in a way, you ha- you kind of have Gangrel to thank.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I wasn't even aware of the new brood until you just brought it up. Where Gangrel actually shifted over to the Hardy Boys, and I think that's what put them on the map as well. Because, you know, again, the, I would say the Hardys are probably my favorite ever WWE tag team, purely because of all their ladder matches and their antics that they've done. Uh, but if we're talking, you know, just from from Christian's aspect, you know, like Gang, I think a lot of it comes down to how Gangrel portrayed the Brood, and this helped Edge and Christian, you know, break out as a as a solid tag team. I mean, sure, they don't have that sort of brotherly chem, like full on brotherly brotherly chemistry like the Hardys do, but you know, they're they're Kayfay brothers essentially, and it's uh, I think that's what makes gives them just as big an edge when it comes, to, oh, no pun intended, <laughs> when it comes to the. <laughs> when it comes to the rivalry with the Hardys and the the Terry Runnels Invitational Tournament as well (laughs) which I just love for the abbreviation by the way Um, the fact that that went to I think it was was it five or six matches with the deciding ladder match at the end of it like these are it's like it builds a solid foundation for a rivalry that would happen for years to come and produce some of the best matches that WWE's ever seen. And Christian I think was sort of the glue that sort of held all that together because he wasn't one of those guys who created the defining moment, you know, where, you know, if Matt was thrown off a ladder through tables, if Jeff got speared by Edge while hanging from a title. Like he Christian was the one who was the always the consistent factor and it helped all of the guys in their own unique way.
0: Yeah. And Andy, see, moving on because we'll we'll talk about um, like more like the tag team stuff and championships like a little bit later on. Um, but part of the good thing when it came to especially Christian um, is maybe sort of right, around about like the 2000s, This is when Edge and Christian started being very very comedic um, yeah. and just sort of going a little bit mad with it. Um, and obviously, this is like where it, it, like the five second pose came in, and all that sort of stuff. That um, did you did you see that being like a sort of good way for them to go? Like you've seen their heel side, you've seen them as fan favourites, you've seen them like even come to the the near splitting due to Terry Reynolds being a little cow. Um, yeah, name some of like Edge and Christian's antics that just come to the top of your head.
2: Well, obviously there's the five second pause. popularised coming out of the crowd before The Shield did uh, before they had to actually come out as entrances uh, as well as I think every time Christian came out he was wearing well, bigger sunglasses every time It just kept getting massive <laughs> and always the hats started, and stuff it was just they were just a bunch of dicks you know and it, it was just <laughs> and as a kid you're just like I don't, I don't get that When I was looking back it's like this is just daft and funny because uh, I think there's an episode where they rip the piss out of the hardies where they're watching uh, they're dressed as like uh, Ebert and um the two, uh, the Cisco that's it and like looking at old Hardy Boys footage and just ripping the piss out of it, and it's just like these guys are complete arseholes, No wonder <laughs> they just had the titles on them all the time because it was like, yeah, you're, you're paying to see them, like like someone to come up and beat them. And you know the Hardy Boys are great, but didn't they weren't great at promos. Uh, the Dudley Boys were just devastating and like in terms of like they would just brutalize anyone in the ring, so they didn't mm-hmm. need to do any promos, and you just mm-hmm. had they just had the all the charisma. Don't, uh, don't forget the kazoos. Oh yeah, the kazoos as well. <laughs> and obviously getting uh Kurt Angle uh mm. to come out and help him with stuff as well. Uh but no that, that's just I just remember like watching SmackDown in the morning and stuff and you just obviously him come out, and you're like, oh, what's, these, what's these guys gonna do? Just <laughs> just to annoy me kind of thing. And but no, when you look back it's like good heel work.
0: Yeah, no, exactly at like at this time uh, when they started doing like a whole bunch of comedic stuff like they, they were literally there just to take the piss and they they Scott they, they um came a whole number of um different random tag teams uh, well two different tag team names um, between the year 2000 2001 including team uh wreck with Kurt angle mm-hmm
1: yeah, and it was. Yeah, I think that was the first time you could properly got to see Kurt being so his community side as well with them because we all know that Kurt Angle doesn't mind you know, taking a piss out of like a year later he would do the whole thing with Austin and Vince where he had this tiny hat on, tiny like cowboy hats and so I think you got to properly you know like show his community side while working with Edge and Christian and I think what Edge and Christian this time is they got to show like they were better off as heels because they were the better talkers of the three teams that they were often fitting with, like Dudley's and Harry's as we guys mentioned, because the whole thing with them is them being the better throw. that meant they were always the champions seemingly, and they were always seemingly sneaking out with the titles, and also they were loudmouths, so that meant their role was basically the guys you hated, and you were waiting and waiting for them A, to lose their titles, because when you look at them, them winning the, the three main, like, ladder matches you know these three teams for, they always won them mainly because, not because they took the biggest risks, but because they were always the smarter team mm. but because they didn't usually take the risks because they let the other guys basically take each other out uh, but in terms of them being like comedic fo- like, like showing them more comedic side I think their other biggest foil, other than the Harries or the Dudleys was obviously Commissioner Mick Foley who mm. constantly constantly kept trying to come up with excuses for, uh, for why they couldn't defend their titles like the time where Christian uh, pretended he was sick and then Foley looks over the bathroom stall and sees he's clearly throwing like soup down the toilet to pretend he's being sick. <laughs> like you guys are so totally busted.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, as well. Like we we know that Edge is always going to be Christian's most well-known and pop uh, famous tag team partner. They're known as Edge Christian. They had the podcast together. They had their show on the WWE network as well, and. When it came in to Christians sort of moving away from this, he feuded with Edge for the Intercontinental title for a good several months until he finally um, beat Edge for Unforgiven in 2001. And this is when Christians knew um, Stable sort of came in as the the (laughs) un-Americans. With obviously going back to what I said about Scott earlier, the Landstorm decided to turn the American flag upside down and it's like that'll teach them Americans, <laughs> right? And this consisted of Lance Storm, Christian Test, and William Regal known as the, the Un-Americans or they were the Anti-Americans um, to begin with, which obviously anti-American sounds um, very in- invasion-like from other countries so I think that's probably why they decided to change it. It just sounds
2: um, like your uh, grandmother's really bad with names. <laughs> <laughs> Anti-America is the nickname for the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> also, I'm just going to say quickly before I met America. Do you not know, remember the Christian's theme song when he broke up from Edge? It's probably oh, yeah. one of the better uh, songs that he's had. <laughs> All
0: right, okay, we'll quickly we'll, we'll talk right, about his th- theme songs <laughs> because... Let's just face it, most of his theme songs in wrestling have been absolute chins.
2: I know. Well, I did. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I didn't realise the AEW one because I don't watch AEW. I didn't realise that was his old TNA one. And I was like, "That's a banger." So that's uh-huh. a, yeah. This guy's yeah. got like loads of t- good tunes, Sorry for yeah. That, 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 how that's how that, he
3: kept. That's how he kept the instant classic uh, gimmick as well because I think that's what he was trademarked when he went to TNA and he. I think AEW allowed him to keep that, so that's why he couldn't use Captain Charisma anymore. Mm.
1: Yeah, you see, yeah, most, most of these teams, teams were good. There was a brief period in like two thousand where occasionally he'd have like singles matches and he wouldn't come out to the, the theme he and Edge would he'd gave him his own theme, which was just a bunch of weird sirens and uh the same two beats over and over again, which sounds like the music you give to your creator wrestler in No and No, mer- in WWF, no Mercy. <laughs> but after that he went on a string of good teams and Yeah, his TNA one was an anthem and definitely was not an uh, an instrumental rip-off of an Evanescence song. Definitely wasn't.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, his best one by far was um, the second version of Just Close Your Eyes by Story of the Year. Like, that was, I think for a time being, that was my brother's absolute favourite. I was going to say, I
0: would say um, Just Close Your Eyes would probably always be my all-time favourite. I mean, I'm a big Story of the Year fan as well, but it was the different variation um, with the female singing it Mm. and that's the one i do prefer and just you know for dramaticness but obviously as soon as um, you hear just close your eyes that's when i started crying at the start of the year can you imagine if it
3: opened with uh like and at last you're on your own and then it cuts to that
0: Ah. that
4: (laughs) i thought that that the female version was evanescence the the tna one
1: that was War. Oh, water- no, the I, female I, I was version sh- was called Waterproof, Waterproof Blonde. Blonde. Yeah. Ah. But, they, but they actually, you listen to listen to Christian's first TNA theme. Yeah, and then it's the, the same song. Like. Then look at the Evanescence of so yeah. My Last, my yeah, last you're Breath by right. Evanescence. And it's the same intro beat. Just, you know, they did what WCW did, used to do, change enough of the gourds to avoid getting sued. But, <laughs> right,
4: um, we need to hatch this out because these are the important details. I thought that <laughs> TNA yeah. covered Evanescence and then when he came, to, and we'll get to this section. When he came to WWE the second time,
2: WWE ripped off TNA. No, no, no. He, no. he had the the rise song before he left to TNA, but it was a woman that sung it, and then did he? Yeah, then he I don't remember that at all. It's a proper tune. I think the main. Thing that was when that was, that was that the female ca-
1: person.
2: Yeah, that was when it he was. Either
4: way, Evanescence are banging like yeah, yeah that that's the point yes yes <laughs> yeah,
1: the rip off the
2: evanescence
4: yeah. i love how this this whole was, section of the show was inspired by christian's <laughs> on your own which we've not even spoken about no. <laughs> which is, oh, is which it? is bro- maybe the best one as well i don't know i yeah. can't decide anymore well, we're, we're well, so well,
0: early but, in the show guys exactly it yeah it's
3: just evanescence just brings everything to life Oh, <laughs> there is. Did, oh, in the corner,
0: right? In the corner, but oh, no. if you guys could actually hear very, very faintly to the to the recording on your podcast platforms, like I do have Christian's most recent awm theme song, which my other half Daniel was very, very kind in finding me and actually sending me this so I could download it myself, so I could own the music.
4: It's so Christian good to King hear has. this. It's so good to hear this tune again. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, you listen to that, just, uh... <laughs> Yeah, and, Andy, it's playing in the background. Can you hear it? Uh, Hi, I'm, here. De- I'm
3: definitely uh, hearing it. Andy, if you just like, close like your angle. eyes, you'll hear it. That's oh, right. That's that's right. right. In the wrong. corner,
1: in the corner. That's, <laughs> that's so going the start your so, <laughs> I think the only reason people might not forget forget about the Warped Blonde version is the Warped Blonde version of Just Close Your Eyes just sings the main chorus, that whereas the story the version, you get to actually hear the full song. Mm-hmm. I think it's because if you actually look at the full Warped Blonde version, the Bits that aren't the chorus are just too quiet for an entrance theme.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's way too quiet. Like, it's, like It almost crescendos into like, its first verse, and then the chorus yeah. is when it finally picks up.
0: Yep, that,
4: absolutely. This, this is why I've said this to Boss Man Steve before. We need another music and wrestling show. I know Qu- a quack who did one about 10 years ago. It was before <laughs> any of the mics were any good. The show sounded crap. We need to revisit. Like I'd, could... I'd be on that. I I was be like, on that. You know, if we so, cover the uh, Reckless Intent album, you can count me in for that. Oh, WWE dear. Anthology as well. It's one of the, it's one of my favourite
0: albums. Hey guys, if you, guys if, for you all listening, if you really want to hear that kind of show, <laughs> let Stephen Wilson know, slide into his DMs, speak to us on Twitter, speak to us on Facebook, on the community page, tell us that you want that show, and we will make it happen for you. Uh, Post that in
2: the forum, uh, Chris. <laughs> after the show, sorry. I'm just. This is getting real This. Uh, it's about this Christian, not
0: just his music. <laughs> he has had a career other than his music, guys. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, the, the music well, shows you know.
2: more of his charisma because he has Captain charisma, you
0: know. We're <laughs> just finishing off I mean, uh, about like his legacy as tag team wrestler. Obviously, we know his tag team with Christian. That's uh, with Edge. Sorry, it's going to be like the biggest legacy that's ever. Like most teams want to be like Edge and Christian. Most teams want to be like the Hardy Boys and everything, but Edge and Christian who we're talking about. I don't know if many teams want to aspire to be Christian and Lance Storm, or Christian <laughs> and Chris Jericho. Um,
3: Jericho and Christian were quite funny, I'm going to yeah, give them that. I mean, they had good chemistry, like, and, you know, I think there was that bit where, I think, they had their their clothes necked and then the towels whipped off them. They basically were on stage naked for a bit.
5: Uh-huh.
3: Like, that was a funny moment, and they obviously there was the back and forth between Trish and Lita as well at the end of 2003.
0: Well, yeah, that was another one was um, like, see all the, the different things. It's always worked with whoever Christian seems to have been with. I mean, Chris, I I, I compared you to Chris Jericho earlier just simply because you were called Chris. You, you don't talk like, um, you're you're not like the quote or anything. I'm sorry, I have to break it to you. But see, these two are two of the most charismatic people in wrestling. Put them together was like a no brainer, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, we touched a bit on the Un-Americans, like, Christian is so good in the tag team format. Like, everyone sort of shits on the Un-Americans. A lot of people said that they were just used as sort of fodder for Undertaker, but they were perfect for what the WWF needed at the time. Post-2001, America needed something to hate, and I think that they were really good at this. Um, There was a, a match in particular I remember really vividly where. Well, the main event was actually my namesake, Chris Jericho, against Edge in a steel cage match. And then the Un-Americans all come out, attack Edge, crowd goes mental, and then Rey Mysterio and John Cena both come out to help Edge. And it basically, the the show ends with Rey Mysterio, Cena, and Edge standing on three corners of the cage. And Michael Cole's like, that's the future of SmackDown. And he was right, they were the future of SmackDown for like the next 20 years. And that. that all of that doesn't happen unless you have the bad guys for them to beat. And that's why the Un-Americans and Christian was so good. And then when he sort of disappeared for a little bit, but then when he goes with Chris Jericho as well, that worked so well as well because they became a solid tag team as well. The the lesser um, praised TLC match before it became a pay-per-view, TLC4 when he was tagging with Chris Jericho, October 2002, one of the most underrated raw matches I've ever seen in my whole life. They didn't win. Kane obviously retained his titles in that match, but then they won the tag titles off Kane and Hurricane the next week. And mm. like uh. <laughs> I had to say it's got but like they he was such a solid worker anytime he was put in any sort of tag team. Um, albeit I have to say that I hated that daft intergender match they had with Lita and Trish. I thought it was really stupid. <laughs> um and he finally got a WrestleMania moment out of it. Uh, In 2004, when he was working with Chris Jericho, Mm
1: -hmm. you you mentioned Kane there. They did, and the Americans did play a part in a pivotal moment on Raw in 2002 when Tess threatened to burn the American flag with a blowtorch. Just as he's about to, Kane makes his return debuting his best theme song, his uh, slow chemical theme song. Getting it back to your subject that will be covered in a future. <laughs> Music, <laughs> course, it,
2: didn't they get unpushed? Uh, the Americans stopped the push because uh, Edge and Test refused. Not Edge and Test and Christian refused to get a haircut, and that was kind of the thing. And then they end up getting the haircut, anyways. Afterwards, both of them. Oh,
5: mm-hmm. really?
2: Well, yeah, because yeah. it was like McMahon was basically cut like, short your hair, like have this sort of militant look, but didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like one of partly one of the petty reasons that that stopped and yeah. why they got punished as well So and Christian ended up you're right Andy yeah, Christian actually did end up cutting
3: his hair but it was the night after he won the Intercontinental Championship which was reactivated at Judgment Day that year it was his second Intercontinental title that's when he changed his look etc he still had the long hair right up until that point yeah. well, he's barely short hair anyway I think
0: right. he's a lot more handsome oh, with short hair oh absolutely <laughs> definitely short hair for me um, but see just quickly looking back like his his time as a tag team wrestler and before we move on to talk about uh, the individual championships and but chris what would you say is the biggest legacy that christian's going to leave behind as a tag team wrestler
4: i think that christian brings something or brought something to the WWF that was really important and that is a pretty normal looking dude not like a guy that's ripped to the nines not a guy that's you know, massive, not a guy that's, I was going to say charismatic, but he is very charismatic, but basically like, he he looks like a very normal dude, right? But he managed to pull off absolutely everything they put in front of him. Like, they put the vampire dude gimmick in front of him, pulled that off. They put, you know, almost, Cocky heel in front of him with Edge at the start, pulled that off. They wanted to turn Edge and Christian a bit brutal when they had their feud with the Dudleys around Royal Rumble 2001. They pulled that off as well, and they had the unsanctioned match with the Dudleys, which was brilliant as well. Every like aspiring wrestler should look at what Christian's achieved and be like, well, I can do that. If like I've I wrote down the list of belts that he achieved. I'm not going to spoil it because I'm 100% certain you're about to read it out. But what he did in such a short space of time between 98 and 2004, five-ish, mm-hmm. just a phenomenal, phenomenal run. Like, and and he he should be an inspiration for anyone who wants to become a wrestler. I, here's the thing that I'm just going to throw in now about Christian. He has the same issue that I think a lot of wrestlers have. the fact that WWE are more than happy to put a lot on him like he achieved pretty much everything in WWE by the time he left the first time and he held every belt possible but they ran out of things to do and they didn't want to push him to the main title just yet now this happened to guys like Jeff Hardy, Edge, Kofi Kingston, Rey Mysterio and all of these guys just stuck it out and eventually they were rewarded with that main title run at some point but Christian sort of flipped the coin on that and he chose to be like well no I'm gonna go convince you that I'm big enough to hold these belts elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting thing he, he's, he's sort of like Christian is equal parts like the worst main eventer but the best mid-carder and he's, he's right on that line. So he, he's just, he's the most unique wrestler to try and compare <laughs> anything to.
0: Yeah, no, he is very, very hard to compare, um, especially with the people that were around him at that time, and especially today and now as well, um, but Dave, in terms of legacy, what would you say is, um in the, the biggest part of Christian's legacy as a tag team wrestler?
3: Uh, well Chris uh, actually summed it up really, really well, but if I was to... Pick a specific aspect of about of Christian himself. It has to be his determination and his his selflessness. You know, to take anything on board, to not only make it work for him but also make it work for whoever he's teaming with. You know, he did it with Edge. You know, they had that goofy persona with all like wh- what other gimmick? You know, wears giant hats, giant glasses, plays kazoo's in people's faces, and just makes people absolutely hate them because they're so annoying. Like that takes commitment and it takes a great deal of doggedness to really sort of you know make it their own and christian did that to perfection and just another thing that chris mentioned was his um his determination to say right okay i'm i'm not going anywhere past if if you think i'm not getting to the world title picture i think again i'll go away and show that i am worthy of this because i have achieved so much in WWE. I've put on, well, for lack of a better phrase, instant classic matches with TLC and all these ladder matches. And I'm going to use that determination to work towards the world title. And I think that's what makes him, that That ties in not only with his singles legacy, but also his tag team legacy.
0: hmm And Andy, what would be um, your, your take on Christian's legacy as a tag team wrestler?
2: Just, uh, I think everybody said it best. It was like the workhorse. It's like everyone always remembers Edge, but it's like Christian was, you know, he he made it look good. It's like him and Matt Hardy are sort of, their sort of workhorses of their tag teams. Whereas yeah. it's kind of like all the, all the the eyes are on Edge or, or Jeff Hardy and it's just, he would just, I think I'm pretty sure he, he lifted more of the belts in the ladder matches and stuff. I think he was the one to actually grab them. And I feel that he was just, he was so good that you kind of forgot he was there sometimes. Mm-hmm. like Because it was like, that's how much of a workhorse, and that's how much of a good wrestler he was. And that's and that's what they say, a good wrestler is, it's like they make the other people look around them look much, much better. And it's just a shame because I think, how tall is he? He's about six foot or something. Uh, and it's just, I think McMahon just had something against him. Because you hear these stories about how he wanted to put like a finger on his face to cover it just because he thought it was funny and obviously some of these characters like some of his gimmicks was like he was he was whiny, he was a crybaby he was second best but it was like he would he would do it all he would and he he came out better for it and it's good that he went he could go elsewhere and then become an
0: actual world champion yeah no absolutely i mean even just before um his his initial departure um from wwe wwf at that time before going to TNA. obviously he did come back for a wee while after we'll talk about all the championships that he's actually held. But in terms of legacy, Scott is a nine-time WWS, WWE Tag Team Championship holder. I mean, that's obviously something that should be a, a big aspiration to people. I mean, seven times with Edge, once with Lance Storm and once with Chris Jericho. I mean, it's, it's a pretty good le- legacy to leave, um, considering that obviously he's now with AEW and we'll talk a bit about that later.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing to be admired about Christian throughout his different tagging is his consistency. As for much of that, he played the smarmy heel role with whether it would be his peak heel run with Edge across 2000 and 2001, his time with Lance Storm where he basically had to be the charisma, carry the charisma for the team. Sorry Lance, for technically sound, but you can't up for to save your life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then again, a similar dynamic they had with Edge, he had with uh, Jericho you know, where the do spam heels, you know, referring themselves unofficially as vitamin C or something like that. But uh and so you get the consistency, uh that heel role, you know, he didn't he was never too flashy in the ring, but he was technically sound. He knew how to get people to hate him. And so he consistently, you know, played that heel character and made people dislike him. Uh I I think part of that is why he didn't get that much appreciation from fans. Uh, until years later because he was so good at his role. And you Mm -hmm. can also see a bit of how he's inspired later stars because, you know, people like Dax Hardwood, who is one half of uh, one of the best tag teams of of the modern era, uh, has even came out and said, he gave a list of reasons on Twitter when someone asked him why he likes Christian. And he gave a list of reasons as to why Christian's one of the all time best wrestlers. And so he's clearly, he's clearly done something right. If he's influenced and he's appreciated by modern great tag team wrestlers.
5: Mhm.
0: And just before he, he left um, on his departure to, to the wrestling world, obviously Christian had a, a, a few championship pursuits um, in this meantime. I mean, for one of them, he was Intercontinental Champion going into Unforgiven um, in 2003 where he beat Chris Jericho and Rob Van Damme in a triple threat match. Um, but unfortunately, obviously lost uh, in, a ty- in a ladder match um, to Van Damme a little bit later on, and then becoming part of um, Team Bischoff taking on Team Austin um, at that at the Survivor Series later that that year. And obviously, we've 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 talked about about the the Battle of the Sexes, which I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna acknowledge <laughs> 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 because it's it's just awful. Like I- I- it's it's. I- I- At that time it was acceptable, but as of now, probably not. Um, But seeing like going down the list of achievements as well, Christian competed and I still say he should have won this. Um, The Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21, Um, I don't know if any of you guys agree um, that I think Christian should have been the one to win that match as opposed to Edge.
3: I mean, he was certainly mm. a candidate uh, alongside, like, Chris Benoit as well, but I think this was the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match, and he, I think all six of those guys, you know, had a chance to to win it, but it was a new concept. They were testing it, you know, with uh, a number of veterans, including Shelton Benjamin, who was the Intercontinental Champion at the time, so it was, it was a good way to get all of them on the card and showcase all their talents, and it was just a reminder of how good Christian is at ladder matches, but I noticed that, you know, somewhere between sort of late 2004 and you know whatever was left on his contract in 2005 he actually ended up losing a lot of big matches Uh, so the money in the bank ladder match was just one of them he failed to win the wwe title from cena at that triple threat match he didn't get the the smackdown championship from that six-man elimination match when he got drafted and he didn't even win the united states title at no mercy that year as well so the smackdown draft only lasted like a few months and that's when he his contract expired. So it was really a, a sort of wasted opportunity for him to really sort of have a proper breakout as a upper mid card champion.
0: Mm-hmm. Guys, <laughs> do any of you else um either agree or disagree with me saying that Christian should have won the first ever Money in the Bank?
4: I think that the issue with the first Money in the Bank is that that concept had replaced King of the Ring in terms of being the the thing to bring up new guys and in the first match any of them could have done it but if Christian had stuck around in WWE for a bit longer then he would have 100% won it like I, I don't agree that he should have won the first one but I agree he should have won one because if for instance Christian if he'd have stuck around he probably could have won the one where they had all those you know, bullshit former champions in it and it was for the belt or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. they, they went through all of their mid-card guys that they had to elevate and they exhausted them. So there was a period mm-hmm. where every time the Money in the Bank winner came out it was someone crap. Like, um, who's your man that's now over in NWA that won it? Uh, he had the gimmick where he was uh, copying being the Venus myth. Xander. Yeah, Sandow, Sandow yeah. Uh, Swagger the first time around before he'd really done anything with his career. Even like Mr. Kennedy, a lot a lot of people said that he didn't really deserve Like, If Christian had still been about for a bit longer into this period of his WWE career, then he 100% would have won it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, Scott, I, I know you were going to make a wee comment there as well.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely should have won Money in the Bank. I don't necessarily, necessarily agree with the first one because you got I think of the timing, and at that time, Edge was really starting to come into his own as a true okay. singles heel. Especially after he turned um, late all 4 and I think it's the stuff about him and Lita and Matt Hardy was starting to come out. Then he was beat, to become properly detestable. And also, it was an unproven concept, so we didn't really know what to expect, so going on a heel like him, I think, was the best decision at the time. I okay. believe, if you actually watch back the Money in the Bank from WrestleMania 25, Christian gets the biggest pop of anyone in that uh, match, because, because he'd just come back, I think the rumour at the time was everybody thought he was going to win it, Yeah. but instead they decided to go with Punk two years in a row. I mm. think if he was going to win at any point, it would have been that one.
0: I think I was more mad about that one, actually.
1: Because <laughs> I don't know, so in 2009 rumour at that point, Edge was always in the title picture, so there was a chance yeah. that Edge and Christian would have came yeah. both over the world. Or even Jeff Hardy, like Christian and Jeff Hardy, you know, the Hardys and Ed. Do you think People thought Christian was going to be the one to attack Will we to be Jeff Hardy's attacker I at start 2009 before they decided to do it Nah, let's just say it was Matt
2: I was going to um, say as well, the money in the bank is like Yeah, like I, again, I, I agree that maybe not the first one But I definitely, If I think if he never left, it would have definitely probably went on on him For just, mm-hmm. you know, being there
0: mm-hmm. No, no, definitely, I mean We will we'll, we'll talk about like his return and like obviously him returning for that Money in the Bank ladder match as well um, and the pop that he got because let's just face it I was sitting watching that the other night and I got mad all over again even though like Daniel's favorite wrestler CM Punk and he was obviously happy he was just like nah Christian probably should have won that but coming into like the sort of end of the end of his contract as well we had been introduced to the Pete Show as well which who you know doesn't love an interview segment on the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the wrestling TV because we don't have enough of those Um but it was you know it was a, it was a sort of weird time bundling down towards the, the end of um, his his WWE career I mean even reported that after uh, they had offered him a new contract he just went nope I don't want it um, and just allowed like the rest of it to run out Um but fun fun fact that just before um, Christian had actually left WWE um, he had filed for the trademark for the nickname Captain Charisma so he he changed his name back to Christian Cage on his start with TNA but sadly enough WWE disputed it which is why he, he called himself the instant classic from early 2007 so a couple of years. He was allowed to use Captain Charisma until WWE, you know, stole the fun away from him. But we're going to move on to probably what I would say is arguably one of Christian's best years in wrestling. Um, And this is mainly because, and I keep saying this, that TNA treated him like the star that he is. Um, And obviously, the, the credentials speak for itself. He made his debut at Genesis, which Obviously, we know TNA—they're a bit weird when it comes to pay per views. But he had his intentions of obviously joining Team Canada. Scott Demore is a is a weird coach. I mean, I was saying this to Daniel the other day that the name Scott Demore just screams TNA. (laughs) Like, even when he's like on Impact, you're like, I remember him from like TNA and everything. But Chris, his debut at the at the pay per view and sort of talking with Scott Demore. Um, did you expect Christian to turn up in TNA?
4: This this brings us on to my favourite era of Christian Cage. Uh, he came into TNA so, so strong. Um, the Scott Moore innocent was amazing. As you say, he's like a, a long-standing figure in TNA. At the time, he was leading a very, very strong Team Canada. The likes of Petey Williams and um, Eric Young and uh, Bobby Roode. And, you know, the stable was big and Christian joining them would have made perfect sense coming from what he'd done in the WWF and and being Canadian. Um, and for him to turn on them, that was the perfect way to set him up as a big star. And everything about him just screamed big star in TNA. He had the new ring gear with the, the hood and he had the little bit of the AJ Styles entrance where he throws the hood back and he had new music that was brilliant as we've discussed. All of it just <laughs> felt like big. I know people that when they found out Christian was now in TNA, that they started watching TNA. He's the reason people started watching TNA. They were going through a brilliant period of having lots of stars, albeit all the stars came from different companies with the exception of guys like AJ Styles Abyss and Monty Brown, but they had a brilliant roster and he slotted in perfectly because a lot of TNA guys weren't as, you know, beef is wwe guys were so he looked like a main event star when he came in he didn't look dwarfed by guys like cena or imagine christian in the ring with the rock i know he did it for like two minutes but he would just look like a little mm-hmm. little tiny boy so it, it just it, they set him up so well i remember him beating i think it was monty brown mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. number one contendership and yep. yeah and at the time it made so much sense because as well monty brown was this guy that was He had this brilliant finisher called the pounce, which was a bit like a spear, but he actually just bounced off them like Mojo Rawley does. Um, And then he went on to actually beat Jeff Jarrett and me and Scott have spoken about this at length, Uh, Jeff Jarrett's (laughs) title reigns, Christian hopefully (laughs) being the one to end them. He got a good four months before dropping it back to Jeff, but it, it was just such a good time and one of his main feuds, and I'll stop talking, I promise after this. One of his main feuds was when he went up against Abyss and I feel like Abyss was a massive deal in TNA and it was sort of like, well, if you can prove you can beat Abyss, then you belong to be here. And they had this brilliant feud where Christian kept coming out on top and they ended on this amazing Full Metal Mayhem match, which is like TNA's version of like a hardcore TLC match. And it just showed that Christian had this whole other side to him. He could be a main event star, he could carry the company. He could be like a hardcore wrestler. He could, you know, do thumbtacks and shit like that. And genuinely, I think he was probably the top face in the company at the time. And it just it just showed, and it was great, and I loved it, and it was great, and I loved it.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that that initial kickoff. Scott, obviously, I know that you were like a wee baby when um, this had <laughs> all like, started out. Oh, I beg you your
1: pardon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come
0: on, what year were you born?
1: 96. <laughs> Alright,
0: you were a wee babby. When this was kicking off, I um, obviously I was only about fourteen when this was kicking off. Um, but you you do I mean, podcast of like looking back, especially for like TNA etc. So, see looking back and watching this, like how much of an impact do you think Christian made just in general? Like not even growing up in that era.
2: No pun intended there, Sarah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think mm-hmm. I've mentioned before that around about the mid two thousands, I was kind of losing about interest in WWE and for a couple of years i did see the odd bab tna get kind of out of order on like bravo or whatever channels it was there on at the time and seeing the people they were getting in i think i've seen a little bit of christian at the time and i was like what even christian's in in this company i think he definitely was the biggest side and they had pre Kurt angle coming in mm-hmm. i think at the time and as chris said yeah it's always cause for celebration when someone manages to wrangle that world title away from jeff Jarrett, especially in those <laughs> days and you can go and hear my full cool thoughts on that. Check out our uh, best and worst, in fact, world champions. Uh, so I don't think we ever we don't I don't think we talk about Christian too much, but you know we talked a lot about Jeff Jarrett. Uh, but that match with Abyss is just is superb. You should go back and, and search it. I think it's on YouTube somewhere. And I think like many of Christian's matches, it wasn't as appreciated at the time. But it's because he has a lot of matches that are, can be glasses underrated. But that was a. A solid solid match and just I think it's the name instant classic I think uh, it suited him because he all he was a work great guy he was always been putting on the best matches He already by that point had had matches in WWE that can be considered instant classics uh, one thing I didn't like about East time is when he was a heel he, uh, he had a, a questionable catchphrase which was which was uh, if you don't know now, now you know, you know.
0: But I, I love that. I don't like that like, like, controversial. I love that saying.
3: Hang on, that that rings a bell. I'm pretty sure Hit Row Records on NXT currently uses that. They're
1: they're plagiarists. The wee ah! Wait. Christian oh my god, he Cage. stole
0: it from Christian.
1: I, I believe Jr. once said in wrestling, "The last original idea died of loneliness." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, oh, that's gonna be my next battle. Like, excuse me, you stole that from Christian Cage. Which he actually still he does say that every now and again, um, in the <laughs> AEW, which I'm just like, you know what? I don't care. I love it. But Andy like I don't know if you watched TNA, exactly at this at this time, but the first feud when in like winning the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Jeff Jarrett basically, near enough as soon as he stepped through the door, cemented the fact that they saw him as like a big star. Mm. Um, especially because, you know, Jeff Jarrett was, you know, the founder and owner of TNA. Um, nothing like putting the, your own belt on, but it's not even his belt, but... Imagine putting a belt on yourself when you're oh, on no, a
2: company. D- WWE would never do that, <laughs> would they, you know? <laughs> um, uh,
0: yeah, it's, I, it's a good way to start, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I remember going to TNA and uh, to correct uh, Young Scott, there uh, what channel it was on, it was actually Sky had their own wrestling channel, which was awful. <laughs> it is so bad. Uh, in
3: all fairness to the wrestling channel, that's how I heard of Ring of Honor. By,
2: by yeah, I th- that. that's, that's how I heard about TNA. And I, and I just, I, there was something about TNA that I didn't like watching. It was just very misty. It felt like somebody was smoking in front of the camera and it was hard to kind of see and stuff. So I never really got into it. But I know when Christian went, it, that was like the wrestling, that was the wrestler's wrestling kind of thing. That was kind of, although it didn't have the production of like WWE, but it was still like, People could go there and they could look good and i think chris said it's like christian fit fitting he wasn't massive and obviously they were famous for the x division and all that and you had guys who were very similar builds and stuff and i was trying to look there when when they were saying it was like was like christian the first big guy the first big wwe goes to tna because after that it's like booker t kurt angle um kevin nash and everybody else goes and i, and I, I do think it was a good move and it meant that people could go elsewhere when uh, WWE gets a bit stunted, and you still see it now with people going to AEW. Uh, funny enough, Christian as well <laughs> went to AEW, uh, and yeah, it's good that he he had the sort of wherewithal to be like, they're not using me properly. I'm going to go to a different company, and then as soon as he does, it made me more interested in you And I never really watched it, but I knew more, I knew about it, and I knew he was a world champion, and I always was like, that's good for him because. He deserves that kind of thing and, and I do think it led to a lot of people turning over and watching both WWE and TNA and obviously AJ Styles was there and Chris Daniels so it's kind of odd oh, there's all these other personnel so you could probably thank Gangrel again for mm-hmm. people watching TNA because you know he had the wealth to be a part of these two, uh, mm-hmm. two teams but yeah no I think I think it was a good move and uh, it, it done well for him you know he was an NWA uh, champion.
0: Yeah, and Dave, you you have admitted that you were you weren't too familiar, um, of this era of wrestling, especially with like, um, obviously you're a big WWE guy, um, Mm -hmm. and you've full on admitted, and you're always open to learning, but Mm -hmm. see the difference with TNA, right? They obviously had the six sided ring, which was a complete different setup to WWE. Best thing about TNA. Oh, I love the six sided ring. I wish they'd bring it back. Um. They'd also have like the new array of talent, but also like the new array of matches. Do you think this is what Christian actually needed to give that boost back to his career?
3: Yeah, it was a whole new sort of kettle of fish when Christian jumped to TNA, and as Andy mentioned, you know, he was the first big WWE name or former WWE name to jump over to TNA and sort of set that trend about you know guys that WWE kind of underutilised. Uh, Christian said, and this is where the determination comes back in, he was determined to go to TNA, go to another company and win their world title. And within that first sort of 18 months or so, he was involved in so many matches, you know, like with Jeff Jarrett and Abyss as well. Like, I think he had a couple of matches with Abyss where he faced him, uh, I think it was Full Metal Mayhem. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the, the other ones that he had. And then there was the Six Side of Steel cage match as well. And then he ends up losing to Jarrett in the King of the Mountain match, which again, you know, involves not just, you know, competing for a championship, but it's a top level program with the owner uh, and the competitor of the company. You get Jeff Jarrett and uh, the main authority figure who, you know, uh, Mr. Jim Cornette, you know, very controversial figure in his own right. And it sort of it puts Christian in a position, you know, he where he was, you know, the face character for a change because he'd been a heel for for a good number of years in WWE. This was a new angle for him and he had the crowd support behind him because he amassed this massive fan base from the much larger promotion. So this is, I mean, people might see it as a bit of a downgrade moving to a smaller company, but this is like his chance to sort of take a step back, you know, and make a bigger name for himself so that they can see what WWE was missing out on. So all in all, it worked uh, worked pretty well and it just shows that Christian could hang with some of the, the best TNA that, you know the the original the original tna superstars were
0: i mean this is also something that see just before i let scott have a wee, a wee gander at something Um what i also wanted to to announce like or address was the fact see um in the pro wrestling illustrated um greatest wrestlers you know their top 500. in the year 2003 christian was at 454 out of 500. When he was in TNA, uh, it was released in 2007 that he jumped the ranks to number seven. And that just goes to show like the big difference that mm. TNA made um, in Christian's career. Um especially cause they, they do rank how well that wrestler's done. Like over the past year, like we've seen Bailey and Becky, Seth and like Roman Reigns top that list. Um, to have someone obviously go from pretty much near enough lucky to be on the list to in the top 10 within within the space of four years is is a it's definitely shows that TNA at that time that big defection and um, before screw you main event mafia it's not all about you it's about the instant classic and how he was the first he was the first ever it was it was historic
1: <laughs> yeah uh, before i say the thing i was gonna say i, I definitely I, I agree with you it shows the difference in how he was booked because 03 to 05 he's always seemingly challenging for titles but always seemingly like coming up short where it's just a year or so of good booking really improves his standing I think and like you said the 500 is always about like kayfabe kind of a constant but uh, Andy you'll remember this we talked about it in the Mick Foley show where we talked about a weird cameo of him as Mankind in like 30 Rock. Yeah. It it just popped in my head when the uh, David's talking about Abyss versus Christian Cage and the uh, the Six Sides of Steel. Christian and Abyss have an unofficial cameo in an episode of House because there's an episode of House <laughs> in like the third or fourth season where House is at home watching wrestling <laughs> randomly and he's watching it. It's the match from t- from lockdown between Christian and Abyss and he can loudly hear at one point Don West in the background, G Helen calling the match.
2: So I've got one uh, to follow that up on. Have you ever heard of the film Shoot 'em Up with Clive Owen? Yeah. Yep. Christian's in that he's like a henchman in the yeah, back. Yeah, he's like a he's
0: a guard, I think. Yeah, he
2: you you just see him and it is uh he, he, like I think again it's like when you're around WWE guys, everybody who's about six foot looks about four foot, whereas like you see him in the film and he's like, Jesus Christ, he's pretty tall. Mm. But yeah, oh, yeah, that was that was in yeah. so he's just there chilling out in the, yeah. in the background. I remember I saw him, I, th-
3: I think I saw him at my first live event. It was the, the Royal Highland Centre in 2005. He was a triple threat with Chris Jericho and Shelton Benjamin. And when he, I was by the, the ramp when he did his entrance. And when he came out, I thought I was expecting him to be a relatively small guy. But no, he is deceptively tall.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say as well, um... I, a thing we never mentioned is like you know those old the wwe goes to hollywoods uh mm-hmm. ad campaigns mm-hmm. the one with christian and in, in basic instinct is probably one of the funniest <laughs> things i've yeah. ever seen yes I remember. he's just he's so obviously chris ben was also in there uh so uh but it's just just watch it for him because he is just it's so funny. And oh yeah, and like, the
3: the bit the bit at the end is where I think it was Stacey Keebler that originally played yeah. Sharon Stone, and then when they do the sort of bit at the end, which is meant to be the comedic bit, and then you get Mae Young who just replicates it. Everybody's just thrown up in
2: then yeah. bins and stuff. Like, no. I mean. I just remember him, we sat back and obviously it's blurry and he just comes in and he just talks about masochistic, and they're like what's that got to do and he goes just asking and then gives a wink to the camera and it's just like this guy's so cool and so funny but it's, <laughs> put that man in a film and I will go and see it <laughs> give, him, give him his own comedy show yeah. or something
0: <laughs> absolutely anything to do with Christian getting his own show I'm going to be like mine I'm going to watch it I'm going to watch it I'll go for
3: it Co-starring Stephen Amell.
0: Oh hell yeah! I honestly, if those two got together on a TV show, I think I'd never like leave my house. I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god. I mean,
2: I know Stephen Amell's doing a wrestling show. It's, uh, yes, he is, mm-hmm. and it actually Starter. premieres
0: on the fifteenth of August on Stars. It, I am already waiting to watch it.
1: Maybe Christian will show up. Just kind of. Like, hey, CM Punk's on it. You never know. can you can phone up Stephen Amell. Hey, Stephen, you're Canadian, so am I. Come on, let's make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ideas, ideas
3: go through his head there.
0: Don't give me ideas, because Stephen Amell's got a spot for him in AEW whenever he wants it, so don't you dare tempt me. But carrying <laughs> carry on to, to Christian's TNA career, I mean, very shortly after um, losing the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, obviously he goes on to like a, a sort of back-and-forth feud with Jeff Jarrett over this title, um, and Sting gets involved, and it ends up with, obviously um Christian Cage hitting Sting over the head with a guitar turning him heel once again um to then obviously end sort of that sort of that sort of feud in a way too but then he he moves on to his new feud um when Rhino decides that he was going to question uh, Christian's actions um from hard justice so he basically said he did it for the good of TNA um which this started off the rivalry between Christian and Rhino. Um, Chris, I don't know if you remember the 8 Mile Street fight?
4: Ah, yes. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, right, as much as some of this was absolutely bollocks, I think that the actual turning Christian heel was a huge, huge moment. I think that Christian achieved a lot in a very, very short space of time in TNA so sort of like what do you do with them after that that guitar shot on sting i would argue was more significant than pretty much all of jeff jarrett's guitar shots in about the <laughs> 20 years before it and um, completely changed his character brought out this whole other side to him he was an amazing heel he had the feud with rhino there was the street fight there was the uh what was it was it Elevation X, was he, was he in that? I, I can't remember. But yeah, basically Christian turning him against one of his best pals that he's been working alongside for God knows how many years in WWE just was brilliant and of course it all led to his second run with the belt. This time his heel even better than the first one because now you've got all the wrestling finesse that he's had the first time around but he gets to be an arsehole about it at the same time. And This period of with Christian as champion the second time round, I would maybe argue TNA's best ever period with um, Christian, Samojo, Kurt Angle all in the hunt for the title at this point, um, leading to the Coalition as well. It's just a brilliant time to be watching TNA.
0: Yeah, it's got a do you agree with, with Chris that after, after that chair shot basically everything changed um, and he did do it for the good of TNA.
1: I mean, him saying that Jeff Jarrett holding onto the title is for the good of TNA is a. I didn't think there'd be a worse motivation than I did it for the Rock, but we seem to have found it. But yeah, I mean, I did like the uh, he's taking the NWA title. I'm just sad that you know it did end in that convoluted like double like double fall thing, which is mainly used to get the NWA title away from TNA and then to bring in the TNA their own world title. It's just the same. He didn't get uh, much of a much of a shot at becoming. Like the TNA world champion, like officially when that got brought in. But you know, I think it was good for her left because, like, I do like, I did love the, I do appreciate a bit of uh, alliteration and the Christian coalition, you know, bringing it back, Tom Cole, because that connection to uh, AJ Styles getting to show him a bit more of a goofy heel sighties character. So I think that, that was a good opportunity for Christian. I think as much likeable as he can be, uh, he often. He falls into that role of being better as a heel, so it was probably going to happen sooner or later. And it is weird that most wrestlers that are best at heels come from Canada, often known as one of the friendliest countries in the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to, you know, what you just said there. It is the one, one of the more friendlier places, apparently. <laughs> um, but. Anytime that Christian gets anywhere near, especially when it comes to uh, a stable. Mm -hmm. It's not always the nicest of things, um, but Andy, Christian's Coalition.
2: Yeah, I saw
0: the names that are in the stable.
2: Christian's Coalition. Good thing he didn't have an extra like C at the end or something like that, you know, in case he wanted to change you know. Sorry, it was a bad joke. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking of the com the crusty comedy classic. Uh,
5: <laughs> oh
2: no. <laughs> the, oh, no. Christian oh, Coalition no. Club or something like uh, that. Oh. I saw it because AJ Styles is in it uh, yeah. and Scott Steiner's is in it which is weird, I would not think, I would never have, I never have found out until today <laughs> Scott Steiner and Christian were in a stable together which is just so weird uh but it didn't last long did it it was just a sort of flash the pan kind of mm. uh kind of thing and again you know I think it was Christian was saying it was like The Rock uh, and uh Christian Christian looked like a small boy he just knows, looks like a small boy standing behind Christian, and it's so again the man is deceptively tall. It's just yes. it's so, it's just especially
3: so when you've got a guy like Tomko as well standing next to him. Like that's yeah. a that's a very underappreciated team, I think, because I think Christian. And oh yeah, Tom Cole, I remember
2: Christian Tom and Tomko.
3: Wow. Yeah, Christian and Tomko never got one shot at the WWE Tag Team Titles, and that was uh, against Eugene and Willie Regal of all tag teams, but. I think they should have had a at least one tag team title run together. I don't know if they did in TNA or not, but de- I think they definitely had a miss. Again, WWE missed the boat with both these guys.
0: I mean, Chris's coalition only really lasted about a month, and this is where we got um, your intro, Dave. Obviously, that Chumko thought, yeah, one win, and I'm now guaranteed I'm going to get that title shot. I mean.
3: Mm. Yeah, so but they, they, <laughs> did team, they did team Team, as part of the Lethal Lockdown match against Team Angle, which, I mean, it, did, it gave them a reason, to, you know, to sort of team together. And you get, you know, Team Angle was some of TNA's finest. You get uh, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, Rhino Sting, and Jeff Jarrett all together in, on one team as well, where you've got Christian's mm-hmm. Coalition. It was, like, the best of the best when it came to TNA. And the, that Lethal Lockdown just basically was just a showcase of, like, these are our top guys. Let's see them go at it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, as, as well, they did spend a little bit of time in Japan as well, Scott. And this is what I, it comes back to Christian's legacy as a tag team wrestler. He was doing tag team stuff all over the world. I mean, he's a former IWGP tag team champion.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, it's weird, like, Tonko was weirdly successful in Japan as well. Uh, <laughs> doing like, I think he and uh, Scott Steiner won the tag team titles in Japan. I think Steiner has always been big. In Japan, going back to like the nineties when he and his brother Rick were teaming, the, back over there, mm-hmm. I think if it was like I don't think New Japan was as big or in the US as it is now, because you know, I think he did compete at Wrestle Kingdom Two, and a big multi-man match, you know, with some other teenage guys going up against a New Japan team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if it was like a few years earlier, or if New Japan had already been, was already in the uh, the stage it was a few years later, with like the International Nokada and I think Christian would have spent more time in Japan because you know you've seen now that there's a lot more options like Americans can now or guys us can go over to Japan and make a little mm-hmm. regular living. So you know it's a shame. I kind of a shame that we didn't get to see Christian, but you know now that he's in AEW and they seem to have the relationship with Japan. Hopefully yeah. we do actually get to see more of him over there because I think he could pull in some really good, some instant classics if he were.
0: Well, uh-huh.
2: Christian showed up in Ring of Honor uh, for a few matches as well, so I think it mm-hmm. was a mm-hmm. tag team against, I can't remember who he was tagging with, but he was against uh, Chris Daniels and uh, uh, Ryan Christopher, or whatever, Brian, Daniel, no, Daniel Bryan, and, yeah, Daniel, was, I can't remember his actual name before, it was, yeah, it was Colt Cabana he teamed with, ah, that's it, yeah, Colt Cabana, yeah,
0: yep. and he's also been across to the UK and wrestled a few times uh, for one pro wrestling, and there was three times, Uh, in 2006 that he came over to the UK, Mm -hmm. which it's a shame that I was not watching wrestling at this time. Um, Just that I I fell away, funny enough, when I was about 15 years old when this happened. (laughs) Um, But that's also just the fact that I didn't have access to Sky and I couldn't watch it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Christian's overall TNA run, guys, on a scale of 1 to 10, Chris, I'll start with you.
4: Are we ranking this in terms of how good it was to watch or him like as being like the best wrestler in TNA or how how do you want this?
0: Rank it however you want. We can rank it on his actual run, how he did as a wrestler and was he the best. We'll go with that.
4: So I think he's in the conversation of being the best guy that was in TNA this time. Like he's in that conversation. He showed that he had this whole other Side to his character, he showed he could run with the company on his shoulders. Um, I think that he basically came out of. This is a really weird concept to say in my head, but he came out of the shadow of himself in WWE. He did, he did everything that he did in WWE, but he just did it better. Like before, in like Team wreck or Edge and Christian, he was always the guy at the back and whereas he leads the coalition even when the coalition wasn't happening he was still always being followed around either by Tomko or Steiner or AJ Styles at this time so he, he all of a sudden became like the the stepped out of this shadow that he'd been in of himself for so long uh, I think he left TNA at the worst possible time I think if he'd, he'd just stayed about he would have worked really well in the main event mafia storyline could have been really great for him he could have like Joined, been like Angle's right-hand man as a heel, then been like no sack this. He could have turned on Kurt Angle, been like the main face again in the company, but of course the WWE money would come calling. Um, so if I'm summing up the whole thing, I think he's like nine. I think like AJ Styles is the only guy in TNA at this time that I'd say was maybe better than him, maybe.
0: Okay. Okay. Andy, what would just what would be your overall ranking of Christian's small tenure in TNA? Oh,
2: we'll say that, eh? Um Again, uh, some of the stuff that Chris touched up on, it's like he was doing the exact same thing. He had the exact same like sort of backup in WWE, and yeah, he done it better. And again, uh, as I said before, I think he started the whole popularity or the sort of the joke. It's like, oh, who from WWE is going to go? to TNA and you know he done well and I never even watched TNA but I, I still kind of know he done well and also that theme song I know that was probably um, like one of the better theme songs I think I've heard in wrestling and no I think yeah definitely 8 out of 10 and, and the fact that WWE wanted them because you know what WWE's like it's like you leave them they can be a bit petty about it and they brought them back and kind of made them their ECW champion which I don't know if that's actually a good thing or Um, you know but still it's still like they wanted him to come back and it just goes to show that yeah he went he did he didn't run any bridges he he sort of just done what he was good at he just wrestled and was a character
0: Mm, absolutely dave what would you say would be based on your knowledge
3: again i'd give it a solid eight like he really came out of his shell in tna he portrayed himself as a main event player he got involved with championship matches main events stables uh, like everything there was to do on, inside a wrestling promotion, what I think let him down was just um, his lack of longevity. You know, Chris mentioned you know, he could have got involved in the main event mafia. That would have been quite interesting, and he could have been a big time player. You know, all the way from when TNA you know became Impact Wrestling or Global Impact or whatever it was uh, called. So he definitely could have been a mainstay for for TNA. But obviously WWE realized their mistake and they brought him back. So that sort of cut his TNA run short. So that's the only reason I'm dropping it down to an 8. And I think the only person that I think I'd give 10 out of 10 for their TNA run is probably AJ Styles.
1: And Scott? I'd say an 8.5. I'd like to give it a uh, higher, but uh, I think by the time 2008 rolled around, I think that's when the, like, uh, well, that's when the main about Mafia kind of started properly, like, started forming and taking up the TV time. So Christian kind of got lost in the shuffle I think, a little bit and you know his main thing in 2008 I think was he, he won a lethal lockdown match he had Team Cage v Team Tomco other than that I couldn't tell you much else that he did into this in 2008 you know one of his last things was him getting beat up and taking every member of the Faint Matthew's finisher because he <laughs> wouldn't join them and he pretty much acknowledged he was leaving and yep. you know I think one of his last overview appears was losing to Booker T over a Legends title match which ironically is very much the same way his initial W run ended, I think, because he failed to beat Booker at No Mercy for the US belt. So mm-hmm. he had two big company runs, but both ended with, by failing to beat Booker T on pay-per-view for a secondary belt. Yeah. It, Chris,
3: I think Chris Benoit was US champion at the time, Booker T was just one of the, the other participants.
1: No, I think it was Booker T. I, think, I think he and Benoit were swapping the belt back and forth, I think, because he had like a best of seven rune that, that no, day. No,
3: no, that was just after. I think No Mercy two thousand five Benoit was champion.
0: Either so. way either way either way Booker T was a third in Christian's side. No matter where he was. <laughs> um, but shortly after this oh, so this is how he, he basically had his contract expired, um on, t- on tv it was basically just before he was meant to get inducted into the main event mafia that um he was basically attacked and injured by the main event mafia therefore writing him off it's not it's it's tame in comparison to what DNA have done previously in the past where they have killed people kill people you know like mickey james or ethan page having his heart ripped out by the karate man small things like that um but he, he made his return um to WWE with um in the ECW um portion of the actual like the brand for ECW and um, and even though he did he did appear um back with ECW until at least February of 2009 um, he, he came and was conf- again jumping straight into the title scene and um, confronting the then champion Jack Swagger In this time, um, he went on and was a two-time ECW champion. um, One of the more memorable people, I would say, when it comes to the ECW Championship belt. Um, Obviously, he's one of the very few people to hold it more than once. Um, I know, like a lot of people, associate the belt with like CM Punk or Raven and Taz, etc. The (laughs)
1: McMahon. Yeah, he doesn't uh. (laughs) wake up the conversation. (laughs)
0: I was not going who, to. You
1: forget that do rag that he was wearing at the time because he definitely wasn't bald.
0: <laughs> no, we're talking about Christian. We're not talking about Vince today.
1: I don't want to talk about
3: Vince's do rag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but over over this two times that he was ECW champion, it was two hundred and forty five days. And um, Chris, do you have any memorable things when it like came from the small time? Because ECW was. A lot of the time people just sort of consider it the place where people just sort of got shoved to the side that wasn't Ron's back down.
4: What I liked about this was ECW at the time had came, well let's face it, it came out of the, the period of, re- of relying on ECW guys and it was just, you know, the precursor to NXT and they needed guys to go there that could carry the company, well not, not the company sorry, carry the brand. Like, because you couldn't have Batista versus Big Show turning up anymore. It just wasn't going to fly on that show. It was, it was too small and it wasn't the right audience for it. So Christian became that workhorse that, that you know, they just built the new era of ECW round. If, if you name one wrestler that sums up that brand, I think it's Christian because he just carried it for so long. He helped elevate Jack Swagger, he helped elevate Tommy Dreamer and of course he put over uh, Ezekiel Jackson when they shut as well. I think he was the best possible person to put on that brand because you didn't want to put somebody that take too much of a star power away from... Mm-hmm. raw like you, you wouldn't have used like Chris Jericho or something someone like that. Christian was the perfect person to go into that, that spot. And also this wasn't the Christian that left WWE before. This was main event Christian this the the new Christian that we got in ECW was Christian Cage. It wasn't the same guys before. So it was just a great spot for him to be in and I think that you had this really good period on pay-per-views where the ECW title would always open the card. And I just loved that because it, it was like a little foot in that other brand. Good way to bring people in a little, a little bit like Cruiserweights and WCW to start their pay-per-views. I thought it was a good way to get pe- or keep people interested. Obviously, it would never last and the brand would be binned in about 10 minutes. But yeah, I think he was a really good fit, fit there.
0: I mean, yeah, because when he, um, he had lost um, Funny enough, to Ezekiel Jackson, the the brand was like basically deactivated like the day after. And <laughs> um, Ezekiel Jackson basically is recognised as less than the day of a reign of the ECW brand. But over that time, Dave um, has defended the title successfully against people like William Regal, Zack Ryder, Yoshi Tatsu, and then you've got again. Going through all the names, even including Shelton Benjamin, mm. Ezekiel Jackson at one point as well, Chris was right, like, essentially this Christian is not the same Christian that left five years yeah. beforehand. This is this is a new Christian.
3: And I'm glad you brought up the Shelton Benjamin feud as well. The The ladder match they had at TLC 2009 was arguably one of the best matches that entire night. And I remember they cut a promo, I think it was either the week, uh, the, the go home show before that pay-per-view, and they said, "Let's go out and steal the show." Like again, it comes back to that—that that doggedness, that determination to always, you know, the that version of BCW was was floundering at that point. You know, Christian did absolutely everything he could to try and keep it afloat, and he was like the mainstay of that brand. And he and Shelton Benjamin, you know, they're no strangers to each other. And this was at a point where Shelton had a bit of a character transition himself, where he went as the the gold standard. Uh, So and it was sort of almost a flashback to five years ago when they faced each other for the Intercontinental title at Survivor Series. I think it was Benjamin's first, he was Benjamin's first challenger outside of Chris Jericho. And so it felt like a bit of a throwback to that and those guys know ladder matches so well. So it was almost very much like a throwback, but they've gone through so much change and they were so much more experienced at the time. It just clicked really, really well and there were so many good spots that I think you know were memorable in that I think Christian got busted open from a ladder shot and the fans were fuming because they were chanting we want blood and then Benjamin does this brilliant dive off the top of a ladder on the outside it was just it was really spectacular and I'd say it was probably Christian's best defense of the ECW title during that reign
0: mm-hmm. and Andy see, once this is actually all ended and ECW was deactivated. Obviously, uh, Christian went went to Raw, um yeah. actually going on to beat Carlito in the same night so he could get his entry into that money in the bank ladder match um at WrestleMania twenty twenty-six. Someone correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. No no yeah, yeah, twenty-six. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's, 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 I was it's like
0: uh, <laughs> I was like twenty-six. Um and he's he's done other things um since then as well. Like even just in this one one sort of year, um, when he became World Heavyweight Champion, I am not even going to acknowledge the fact that he lost it very shortly to Randy Orton after because mm-hmm. that was a crime. And you guys can agree or disagree, but I I cl- <laughs> I still say that it was a crime. Um but him actually you know what let's talk about it him losing the championship so so quickly it's, to to Randy Orton it was it upsetting just,
2: it was it was a good fan service thing for him to win but again it, I feel like that showed that, it didn't show that Christian was bad it just showed that, that the sort of behind the scenes didn't like one, they didn't see him as a, a, a champion that carries a show, and 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 that is because it's like Randy Orton out of out of nowhere, no pun intended, just sort of shows up in SmackDown, and then it's like a challenger for a title, and then beats him, and it's just it was a bit like he's won it after his best mates uh, like had to retire and stuff, and it was a really really emotional win for him. Uh, what, what, what was the bit? Was it backlash or I can't remember. Extreme it? rules, yeah. Extreme rules, that was it. Yeah, uh, I know it, it's after WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, it's just all of a sudden it's like, oh no, but Randy Orton's coming in. And then it, it was a good, it was a good match. I, I do like the springboard off the the corner into the RKO, mm-hmm. and again made Randy Orton look amazing. And it's just a shame. It is a crime, as you said, that he, he never really he never had a chance to showcase that
5: never expect two days
3: never expect yeah but you know what started off as a bit of a shitstorm (laughs) with that you know booking (laughs) decision like fans were furious about that yeah uh given how much christian worked hard you know to actually win his first sort of major world title in wwe it was (laughs) it was yeah it was awful but lo and behold if you look back in hindsight it actually gave us arguably one of wwe's best
2: feuds in the last years who would have thought like 10 years ago it was like christian and randall and be seen as a good a great Mm -hmm. rival like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Stuff, cause Comin- yeah,
3: culminating from just after WrestleMania all the way up to SummerSlam, like, this is yeah. long term booking at its finest.
1: It's yeah. before, before I mentioned the this feud, because since nobody asked me about the ECW title ring, uh, the uh, I think the best thing about this is how title ring came years later when EC had their like their show, like Wreaths of Awesomeness or whatever it was called, on uh on the network where they did a thing where they were investigating the case of Paul Heyman's missing ponytail. And Christian says to Paul Heyman, like, you can trust me, you know, I'm a former ECW champion. You are? Yeah, remember the heyday of ECW, 2009. And Paul Heyman <laughs> just looks at him like, wait, what? Uh, this, this feud with Orton, yeah, I think, you know, I think all people talk about that period in, in and they'll think about, uh, like, Summer Punk and everything, the paint bomb and all that. I think, you know, people forget that, you know, the Same time that's happening, Mark Henry starting the Hall of Fame run, and then this feud is happening. So, should we get there were a lot of good stuff happening that period to the other And this, like, I think these guys consistently, like, three people in a row, three or four people in a row, had like the best match on the show. And like, Christian slowly, slowly going mad. And Some people don't like the fact that he won it back via, via DQ. I loved it. I think it's like, Christian's character that he managed to lull Randy in and take advantage of this whole thing, like, oh, like. You can lose by getting DQ'd. Uh, what I didn't like, even though the the SummerSlam match had a good finish with the RKO, getting caught up the same RKO, like, finished in their original match, but the same on the steps. What I didn't like is the fact that Orin won just in a match, just at which preceded Edge coming back just to call Christian a whiny bitch, and then Christian loses the belt again, which I think kind of undercut a lot of the good work they were doing in this feud. Just then say, oh, Christian, why do you always whine all the time, and then Christian loses, like, Okay Christian, back in your lane. Yeah, your research for the title.
4: I I yeah. think so I just wanted to jump in on the uh, Christian world title runs. I actually liked it, um and Scott kind of touched on what I wanted to say about it as well. The, the thing is, right, Christian couldn't win a world title without being compared to Edge. Right? It just it was impossible. So how do you do that? Well, you book him to win the title after Edge has to forfeit it, right? So so that's you tick that box, the the comparisons can be made because it's they're they're interconnected, right? And then to tie, like sorry, not tie, to sever that connection, you immediately make him lose it. So straight away everyone wants Christian to win the belt back, but it's no longer about Edge. So I thought it was really good the way they did it. Like now Christian's chasing the belt, but you know he's a legit top star because you've seen it. This is the same thing they did with Daniel Bryan. Remember Daniel Bryan wins the belt off Cena and immediately loses it. Um, This is how you make stars in WWE. Same thing happened with Joe Coffey in ICW. When you've got a guy that's on the cusp of being the top star, you you sort of give people a taste of it and then take it away from them so Mm -hmm. they can build up to it again. This meant that when they did the heel turn on SmackDown and all of a sudden the no disqualification match, best ending to a title match ever, TNA, I see your terrible no disqualification match and I raise you Randy Orton versus Christian for the belt. Um, just brilliant ending, Christian the champion, absolutely loved it. As Scott said, the ending to that run was terrible as well, sadly, but just having Christian as the top guy for that little period of time was so good, so worth it and he had 1000% earned it.
0: Yeah, I think um, this is really about the time that Christian started obviously I'm quite riddled with injuries as well. Um, And this, unfortunately, like over the next couple of years, was sort of winding down um, his WWE career. He has had like ankle injuries. He technically had an on screen neck injury, um, which, you know, anyone who wears a neck brace is ultimately funny in my books, um, especially when they try and play it up. Um, But, guys, like, coming towards the end of the show a little bit, we're just going to quickly talk about. just the fact that, in my opinion, I don't know if um, you guys feel the same, that Christian never got the send-off um, that he well and truly deserved uh, when it came to the fact that he had to retire from in-ring action um, all the way you know, back in 2014, and um, Scott, do you feel the same as me?
1: Yeah, totally. Cause, considering his last match was winning a number one contender's match for an ic match that he never got. Clearly he didn't know and the company didn't know that it was his last match. But, you know, I think he did so many injuries in like close proximity to one another that I think he, he felt he did what was best. But I think that's why so many people were happy when he came back for the Rumble. And, you know, I know some people, you know, there's mixed opinions about his AEW run so far, but hopefully whether he finishes his career in AEW or he comes back to WWE for one more match, as he likes to say. <laughs> uh, I just hope however he finishes his career it's how he wants to do.
0: Yeah, and Andy obviously he suffered a concussion and mm. like Scott said there as well that he he never got that last match. Um obviously we we learned that he, he got a concussion and that he couldn't continue on and challenge Biggie for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, do, th- do you feel like they could have maybe squeezed out one ma- one more match out of Christian just before um, letting him go or...?
2: I, I feel like they could have, but the fact is that they sneakily put him on the alumni page without even telling him on the WWE's mm-hmm. uh, webpage says that I don't think they really probably wanted to because again it's just like they, they put it right under the rug and the fact that every year had passed and he was like seen as a retired wrestler and he wasn't even up for any Hall of Fame discussion is just just massive disrespect to to him because he deserves to be in that Hall of Fame and if they don't put him in he deserves to be on his own but if they just put him in I wouldn't be surprised if it's Edge and Christian going to the Hall of Fame just to give him that thing
5: and
2: I kind of hope he does really really well in AEW and if he ends his career there then hopefully gets a a really good send off because again he deserves it in a and I think as well, it was like he felt okay, but it was just WWE's doctors didn't want him to wrestle because of the concussions,
5: mm-hmm.
2: and it's just a, it's just a shitty way for it to, to his career to end and and the place that he started and you know and he was always kind of a constant figure uh, there.
0: Yeah, and Dave, like Andy saying there, that they basically put him on the alumni page without even telling him, and um, that's usually how we find out if folk have um, been sent away from WWE obviously this is what happened like Chris Jericho was just somehow ended up on the alumni page and whatnot and before even um or even after actually that he became part of AEW but in terms of being Hall of Fame worthy um do you think that Christian should at least be considered even if it is just part of the tag team of Edge and Christian because Edge is already a Hall of Famer. And why the hell is Christian not?
3: Oh, definitely. Yeah, like he need, he's a certified Hall of Famer in his own right. Uh, the only problem is, I think WWE has disrespected him for far too long. Like even when they rehired him in 2009, you know, maybe they thought, okay, maybe we've ch- changed our minds about him. He's actually gone out and proven that he is not only World Championship material, but he's also Hall of Fame material as well. But... You, you, you look back and think over his time in WWE, there's so many disrespectful moments that anybody would have probably just quit, you know, even after one or two of these, like having to put a blue dot over his face just because Vince didn't like the look of him, or they put him in these ridiculous angles with tubs of ass cream and getting embarrassed on the stage and stuff. It was, it. was, I think they did a lot in their power to try and make him look, you know, as stupid or as idiotic in the eyes of the fans as possible, but his run in TNA basically just changed everything. You know, that was the, the exclamation point that sort of said to them, he is World Championship material. Like, and his in-ring psychology, his doggedness, you know, just to get better. I, everything about him, from that to his personality, both in and outside the ring, it makes him one of the most lovable superstars of all time and WWE would be doing him a massive disservice if they didn't give him a proper send-off. Like, the Royal Rumble 2021, I mean, it was good to see him back in that, only for him to sort of be no longer under contract with WWE, like, literally the week after. It was it was baffling because there was so much potential that they could have done with his last run there, but he definitely needs an exclamation point on his career to say that he is arguably one of the best of all time.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um- and Chris, see, I don't know if um if you felt the same as me um when Christian started making very small sporadic appearances, especially towards the end of last year, and um, showing up, as, particularly when it came to Edge being in the feud with Randy Orton um after WrestleMania, and even though it was like it was basically the unsanctioned match, which gave us all that glimmer of hope. Um, m- mainly, mainly me, um, going it could happen, it could happen, um, for, you know, close your eyes by story of the year to hit. That lovely night during the Royal Rumble, I kept saying ever since <laughs> Edgewood entered, I was like, right, Christian's gonna be next, Christian's gonna be next, and then I just sort of you can even ask Douglas, I gave up around number 16. <laughs> um, and then I was just sitting sit and with you guys on the group chat the music hits and the first thing I see is Sarah are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm sitting <laughs> screaming and crying Daniel's sitting laughing at me because he's like it's like you knew, and I was just like ah, it's Christian <laughs> it's Christian Did you f- ha- what was your like feeling of emotions to see him come back for the first time in seven years?
4: It was huge like I loved it so so much it- first of all I thought it was really cool how Edge and Christian broke up in 2001. They reunited briefly in 2011 and now again in 2021. So two 10-year okay. gaps, which is pretty decent. Um, the Randy Orton Ric Flair thing, I've never seen it and I never planned to. I just know that it happened and it makes me mad that it did because why bother? The, like, what, I, I only hope in the back of my mind that they had the Royal Rumble booked when they did that so mm-hmm. that it doesn't you know it's not as disgusting as it was and and that moment when he comes out in the rumble just how great it was and and for him not to get like like i lost my mind when booker t came back in like 2010 11 2011 yeah i remember that that was a great moment lost my mind but he gets pretty much jobbed out in about 30 seconds whereas christian went really far into the match i think he eliminated Bobby Lashley, is that right? Or he definitely had a bit of a spar with Bobby Lashley and um he I think finished fourth. Cause I think his feet mm-hmm. land after Braun Strowman. So he technically mm-hmm. finished fourth in the Rumble, which yeah, final yeah. four is what obviously always gets talked about. So for him to be the final in the final four of a rumble is a huge mm-hmm. thing. It was a moment that deserved fans. It's a moment that probably I mean, it wouldn't have had the edge reaction, but it would have been up there. I think it's fair Mm -hmm. to say. And um, for Christian's WWE career, for now, to be finishing on that moment and not the stupid number one contenders match or the Ric Flair, uh, Randy Orton thing, it's a perfect final chapter Mm -hmm. to the WWE book that may or may not be finished being written yet.
0: See, funny that I'll, I'll quickly ask Andy, Dave, and Scott before we talk about his final things and what's to come and wrap up the show. Um, but Scott, he returned in the ring, and the first person he went to was Big E. Playing back to that that number one contendership match that he won in the, the Intercontinental Championship match, he never got. Who was Intercontinental Champion at the time? Big E. Um, which it, it, it was a nice playback. And at this time, did you think that Christian was back under contract with WWE? Uh,
1: I, I hope that he was because, you know, him with Edge and everything. I think we're all talking about possibilities, him and Biggie. Uh I think I said with Ross, Lindsay, maybe on one of our preview previews, like how good would it be if like during Ro- Edge's history with Roman if you can get like Jay and Roman versus Edge and Christian or even the Usos versus Edge and Christian. I think it was just hopeful that it was because you, know, like, you didn't really know who to expect between the like, Hurricane Kane and Christian all returned in one Warrior Rumble so anything could have happened in that Rumble.
0: Absolutely and Dave, just it was just like the small things that like, obviously he had gotten a bit of his ass handed to him before, um, in the unsanctioned match um, against Randy Orton but then Christian got his own back um, by attacking um, Randy Orton in the ambulance match when he was against Drew McIntyre, um, and he, w- he sort of helped Edge um, sort of take on all these other guys. It's just like if I can't do it, I'm going to do it for my best friend. Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's a good way to sort of bring yourself back. I mean, I don't know how you guys actually all reacted, apart from saying, "Sarah, are you okay? Please calm down." <laughs> um, I don't know what your reaction watching it live was. I was too busy being selfish and thinking about myself.
3: Uh, it was a bit of a weird one because obviously, you know, he was involved in an official match capacity, but it was good to see him, you know, still floating around here and there as part of, But he, And WWE put him under the bracket of legend and stuff, you know, along the likes of Ric Flair and Big Show and stuff. So I suppose you can sort of let them get away with that a little bit, but at the same time, if he's healthy, let him compete. Let him regain, you know, what he missed out on. Like, don't just stick him in one Royal Rumble appearance that lasts twenty minutes and then ship him off to AEW. Like, it's I th- he definitely deserved so much more.
0: Mm-hmm. And Andy, what was your reaction to seeing Christian come back in the Royal Rumble, despite there being sm- slight rumors because he had taken some bumps um, and obviously got a low blow from Ric Flair?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I think it's definitely a shock. And again, it's sort of uh, you felt that the build up with Edge winning, that that Christian would be an Edge's corner, but then it's like he's not, he's not on the contract. And then Tony Khan basically like, notices that he's not on the contract, and he's like, "Do you want to join AEW?" <laughs> it,
5: it's just
2: I don't know. You just felt. I think it's just it's a bit of a tease because you know like WWE should know what fans are like, like they see something they build up these storylines and then eventually they build up this like house of cards of storylines and essentially it doesn't go the way they want it to and then they're just unhappy and it, it was just when I saw that he joined AEW I was really like I thought yeah it wasn't he just at the rumble you know it doesn't feel like he was like mm-hmm. that really that just happened overnight and I don't know it was it's good to see him it was good to see him back but again it's also good to see him actually doing what he probably wants to do it was almost a bit like the Randy Savage kind of of WWE mm-hmm. at the end career where it was just like they had this guy who could still go but they just didn't want him to go in the ring he wanted to do everything else but actually mm-hmm. compete.
0: Just after his return as well in the January it, it, everything was a bit quiet and um, I think all of us speculated that Edge and Christian could go for one more tag team title run you know make it number 10 for Christian and uh, uh, or be an edge's corner when it comes to um, Wrestlemania which it's not what we got Um, so when Paul Paul Wright decided that he was also going to go to AEW he announced uh, a signing that was deemed Hall of Fame worthy and this set off a whole bunch of sirens especially with me because obviously I've got a sticker on my laptop I wrote an article saying that Christian deserves to be in the Hall of Fame um, and and During Revolution, usual usual pay-per-view sweeps and it's like, who will be the mystery signing? I'm pretty sure all of us said it would be Christian Cage. And so when the countdown started, you can imagine me going absolutely mental. Um, And his debut match was against none other than Mr. God himself, Frankie Kazarian. It was, was, again, it was a fantastic match for me um, personally because Frankie Kazarian is one of my all-time favorites, along with Christian Cage. and he's went into a rivalry with a whole, uh, quite a few people actually. I mean, he had a wee, uh, rivalry with Taz and Team Taz. I don't know if that might still be ongoing. Um, he helped, He was actually one of the people I'd left at the the end of the the Battle Royal, the Casino Battle Royal, which we all I primarily make jokes calling Jungle Boy the Daniel Bryan of Battle Royals because he could never win them. Um, only for him to <laughs> beat Christian Cage as the two final people. and Christian is again, he's teamed with Jungle Boy and he's helped Jungle Boy overcome the Elite, um, as well as Frank and Cazarin, funny enough, um, to help push Jungle Boy. Um, and that's the one that as well he has continued to push in AEW. And now currently in the lead up, um, to the next pay per view, he's going. He's in a rivalry with Matt Hardy, of all people, someone that he's incredibly familiar with. Um, so I just want to get your guys' quick thoughts on what you think could be next uh, for Christian in AEW. Uh, Scott, I'll start with you. Yeah,
1: I think I did think it was weird to made people somehow disappointed when he came in, which I was happy to see him because I recognized the team straight away.
0: I recognized, uh, the, count- I recognized some- the countdown. I was like,
1: oh hell yeah. <laughs> Some people seem to have the Todd Grisham reaction, like, uh, oh, it's it's Christian, Christian, <laughs> like, like it's Christian." I mean, as much as I, either they're going back, Christian. I mean, they do like a bit of nostalgia in AEW at times. and you know, like, they're going back to the whole Matt Hardy thing. I hope that's not a prolonged thing. You know, I, I would like to see him kind of go into maybe a tail picture, him me Miro for the TNT mm-hmm. title would be nice. But you know, I hope he doesn't get stuck into the. I know he, he has an opportunity to potentially put some people over, like the and coming guy. but I think it's been one of the biggest issues of Christian's career that he's so good at making other people look good that it comes at his own expense sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I worry that he might, you know, be like. You've seen people in, that they get in WWE, like the Sigler or people like that, who mm. get put in the role of putting, making other people look good that it becomes. It doesn't. It loses its effect after a while, like, when as soon as they go into a feud with that person. Then the outcome is already seemingly spoiled, almost.
0: Yeah, I mean the. What's the word? The catchphrase that Christian's wants used, and I have it on one of his merch. I actually finally get to have Christian merch. Outwork everyone. Out, outwork everyone exactly. Um, and the first person, obviously, he he made sort of contact with was Kenny Omega, um, hinting that he was going to go for the AEW Championship. Obviously, that might not happen. He, but he's there to, it's a multi-year contract that he's got with the AEW, but Chris, the, what he started out with, I mean, his first in proper in-ring match in at least seven years was against Frankie Kazarian and in my opinion, I think that was one of the greatest matches that I've seen as of late, just for someone that had actually not wrestled in so many years
4: yeah it's interesting sending a guy out for what 15 minutes when he's not wrestled in seven years or whatever but it just shows that he still had it in him and he spoke at length on various outlets about how he took the time away from wrestling to sort of heal himself up which that's weird that worked for daniel bryan that worked for Shawn michaels that worked for undertaker imagine that that actually just works you give your guys time off and they suddenly become physically better but yeah i loved the coming out TNA entrance music to fight another TNA alumni like AEW obviously has this weird sort of intrinsic connection with TNA as both being the sort of main WWE competitors I love the thing I can't remember whereabouts I saw it because I've not watched actual Dynamite in a while but he went went to hit the un does he call it the unprettier
0: and it's he'll switch into
4: Kill switch. You, yeah, of course. TNA. Yeah, it's um,
0: now it's the kill switch. Unprettier. Um, Jr. Just sort of changes whatever it wants every week.
4: I will <laughs> never ever fault Jr. For pronouncing things wrong, and neither should any of you wrestling community. You bunch of assholes. Um, but <laughs> I, yeah, I loved when he goes to All hit right. the the unprettier on uh, Kenny Omega, and uh, and then at the end. Just picks up that
3: belt and looks
4: oh, at it, and I was oh, like, "Oh,
5: I'm was like, yeah.
4: just like that." Just, it
3: was uh, it was brilliant. Just remember to keep supporting him on WWE Dynamite. Yes,
4: absolutely. <laughs> so, David, remember that thing that I just said two seconds ago. But yeah, I said, rip- yeah, said I'm just, yeah,
3: I said I'm just repping the piss a bit.
4: <laughs> um, but yeah, like he, as as we've said, he stood shoulder to shoulder with all the TNA guys. Albeit he did get a bit drowned out um, in the main event in WWE. He's more than capable of holding the AEW title. It's, it's, it's not unbelievable for him to be in the ring with either of the th- what, three men that have held the title already. He's got massive history with Chris Jericho. He can do blood and thumbtacks and explosions and all that with Moxley. He would be the best face guy to beat this asshole heel of Kenny Omega. Literally, the opportunities are endless for Christian. and. AEW. Obviously, they're doing the Matt Hardy thing just now because you, you know, we've, not, we've not really done that in God knows how long. So uh, I've got no issue with that playing out, but um, yeah, I'd love to see him going up to the main title. Well,
0: will see saying that, Dave, we, we know where the main title picture is headed in AEW right now. We know it's going to be Hang Page and Kenny Omega coming as part of the big, big storytelling over the past two years. Um, and we've got Christian going up against Big Money Matt, which we've not had this variation of Matt Hardy. Um, mm. So it's like the different faces of Matt Hardy. Um, but do you see Christian being like, because he has signed to him all year contract, do you see him halting the World Heavyweight Championship at some point before his career ends?
3: I hope he does, if I'm being honest, but will he be the one, do you think he'll turn heel and take it off hangman? I mean, given his past booking, it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if that does happen. Uh, but he is worthy of the world title for sure. If not, the bare minimum, I think he's got to have a run with the TNT Championship. And if he's going to be mm-hmm. taking on this position of, you know, being a, a sort of veteran slash mentor for the up-and-coming Ew talent, you know, the likes of the guys in Jurassic Express uh, and maybe some of, maybe Private Party as well, you know, if he's having this feud with Big Money Matt, you know, it's it's opportunities for, for him, you know, to really sort of get give exposure to talent that might be struggling a little bit to get into the sort of main main scene. But yeah, for sure, at, at best he gets the AW world title. Worst case scenario, he should be ending up with at least the TNT title.
0: You know what? You just reminded me of what happened a few weeks ago on Dynamite, where um, it was before the title match of Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega. And Christian's backstage, backstage encouraging Jungle Boy when Lynchosaurus comes on the screen and Christian says that he is part Stegosaurus, um, or was that Triceratops? It was a Triceratops because I popped because that's obviously my gamer tag. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, no, you know, I'm actually a part Triceratops, and uh, and th- it's stuff like that that gives me a really, really big pop. Um, and Andy, do you do you think that there's a big, big light at the end of the tunnel for Christian for when he does finally get the chance to hang up his boots and have his ending?
2: Well, I hope so. Uh, the thing is, as well, with when he changes company, it's good that he still keeps like Christian. So it's like if nobody really knew who he was, it's like it's just not like when um, I'm trying to think of like someone changing, jumping ship, and it's like they've got to come up with this whole personality because WWE owns it. Uh, if it's the right storyline, uh, you know, and if there's Philly backing them. Then there could be like a big sort of send-off moment for him because, like, how old is he now? Is he's, is he's, he's 40, forty-seven? Forty-seven.
0: Forty-seven.
2: You know, and it's again, is it going to be up to him, or is, is he going to get injured again? And hopefully, he doesn't get injured. But if he, yeah, if he
0: gets injured, you'll hear the wailing from Rotherglen. Uh, <laughs> you'll hear it across the world.
2: But just you just kind of hope with a guy like him and a career he has, he gets a really good send-off, and it doesn't really matter if he wins a title. He's already been a world champ elsewhere. Mm-hmm. you know it's just just treat the guy with respect because he deserves it you know apparently one of the nicest like wrestlers to actually meet because he actually gives a shit about the fans
0: I mean he, he, I got a personalized birthday message up yeah, of him so. and he sang happy birthday even though he didn't have to sing me happy birthday and um, but I'll quickly I will quickly run down just the actual career of Christian Cage so in his time with TNA he was a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Championship He won the Gauntlet of the Gold as well, and he was named as one to watch in the end of the year awards. And then his time in WWE, he was a two-time ECW champion, a two-time World Heavyweight champion, a one-time European champion, a one-time Hardcore champion, a light Heavyweight champion, a four-time Intercontinental champion, a nine-time World Tag Team champion. He was a Triple Crown champion as well as a Grand Slam champion. And if that is not, The summary of Christian Cage it shows that the it doesn't have to always be about titles to make a career, and that is one that that Christian Cage has certainly put forward to us. Um, But I I do want to thank you guys for coming on and obviously talking uh, a big ramble, especially when we're talking about um, which theme music is the best. Um, But next week. SummerSlam season is upon us and Derek Cerenahan will be in the hosting chair once again when we look back 20 years into the past to the 1991 uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view as well in the coming weeks I will be hosting a show about SummerSlam moments whether they be good or bad one of them will be definitely talk about John Stewart hitting um, John Cena with a chair and how much I hate him and um, keep tuned for those heading your way in the coming weeks you know I've already said subscribe follow us, hit notifications please actually get involved because we are, we are people at the end of the day we like to chat about wrestling it's all we ever do um, as as you can see on the show we like to talk about wrestling we like to go off on tangents it is what we do but I want to thank my Christians Coalition for coming on the show today so Chris Murray, thank you
4: you're welcome, Sarah. I'm delighted to be a founding member of the CAS, which is the Christian Appreciation Society. could also mm-hmm. be the kick like kick like C-C-A-S, but also kick-ass. Anyway, um, it's going to be the best splinter group since <laughs> NWO Wolfpack, or if you're under a certain age, the Elite. I don't know, one of those two things. And Sarah, right? You, you did slightly spoil this by mentioning it, but we cannot leave this show without playing out the audio of Christian, actual Christian, singing you happy birthday. So by the powers of magic of audio, (laughs) producer Kwaku Man is going to play that clip now. Listen to this.
5: Hey Sarah, how are you? It's Christian here. I just want to wish you a happy birthday. I hope you have an amazing day. I hope you get whatever you want. I hope Daniel spoils you rotten. Uh, said that you, you had a great reaction to, to, um, when I came back in the Rumble and then when I showed up in AEW, and I don't want to say how much I appreciate that. Thanks for being such a big peep. Thanks for being such a big fan. Take care of yourself over there in the UK. Hopefully we'll get over there at some point and do a tour. Maybe you can come to a show. So, uh, I think we all kind of need that kind of relief after this, uh, this past year and hopefully things start to get back to normal. Anyway, Sarah, again, happy birthday, hubby, and I hope you have an amazing day. And you know what? Because you're such a big peep, I'm going to sing happy birthday, Sarah. I don't do this for everybody, but I'm going to do it for you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. You didn't know I have such an amazing singing voice, did you? Actually, my voice is terrible. Happy birthday to you. Take care, Sarah. All the best.
4: That was amazing. How good is that? Sarah, that must have been the best moment of your life.
0: Don't I cried on my thirtieth birthday? All right, I <laughs> cried. I cried while I'm sitting with a pair of EV ears on my head. That's how I. die. But before, bef- thank you for that, Chris. And, but I do want to talk and thank the other members of the Christian Cage Appreciation Society. Andy, you made the return. Welcome back with open arms.
2: Oh, um, uh, that's all. I'm just going, you know, I'm dropping ship to another podcast after this, you know, God just because, uh, you know, it's, it's something Christian would do. Um, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not actually. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good to be back. Uh, it was good to dress up for Christian. You know, it's been a while since I wore uh, the turtleneck. The next back,
0: baby.
5: Uh,
2: that's it. Uh, you know, and that uh, was great. And it's good that you had a body shout out from Christian which is oh, yeah. uh, must have been amazing and no it's good to see everyone
0: yeah <laughs> Over. and Dave thank you very much for providing your your lovely insight and your statistics mm-hmm. as well
3: yep that uh, statisticians mindset you can catch every Saturday on Saturday Draft Live on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, podcast make sure you find us on all good Android podcasting sites along with Spotify iTunes and Anchor
0: And finally, Scott, I know that comparing you to Plant Storm was a bit of a a harsh thing for me to do considering you do have more creativity in you than turning (laughs) a flag upside down, but thank you for coming on as well.
1: And if you didn't know, now you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is that, ladies and gentlemen, the Christian Cage Appreciation Show. And again, if you didn't know, guys, three, two, one...
1: Now, now you, know. you know. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant McRobbie. We are the hosts of the monthly show on East Suplex Retreat, East meets West. Where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events
3: from New Japan and the land of the Far East.
1: You can remember to check that out on the East Surplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.